2024. 2024. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, we're recording. Okay. Hi, hello. <laughs> um, okay, so this is our now yearly ritual of doing the year ahead forecast. Um, and yeah, we're looking ahead at 2024, which sounds, I think, a lot better and nicer than 2023. Yes. Um, it's hard because, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it more detail, but I think, because I keep saying, well, it's going to be so much better. And I do think that's true largely on an individual level. Oh, I was just saying that the sound of the number sounds better. Oh, the number sounds better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2024, yeah. nice even number. I don't know why it sounds more pleasant than 2023. <laughs> just on a very basic level, I prefer the number 2024 to 2023. <laughs> no, I just think there's something satisfying about it. Um, yeah, so we've been talking for a while about how we think there'll be more opportunities in 2024. Um, but as we've gotten deeper into the analysis, like both of us, we've been kind of trying to come up with a way of talking about the year ahead and a way of analyzing it that can hold two things at once um that it, it's a year with we think more openings and opportunities for individuals to like pursue their their goals their dreams um to build community to move any and all efforts forward in the world but also recognizing that like it's going to be a, t a tumultuous year um probably I mean, we were in the united states so we're guessing domestically and on a global scale um that there's it's not i wouldn't wouldn't label it a peaceful year mm -hmm. but i don't think it will have i mean we haven't had peaceful years for many years right and, um, I, guess, and I guess that's that is what can be misleading because if you say oh it's going to be like a good year for a lot of people that might sound like oh things are going to go back to how they were right I don't yeah. think we're going back. We're not going back to like, I don't know, when was the last like 20, when, you know, <laughs> like, like you say before COVID, but I mean, I remember no. 2020 or 2019, everyone was like, Christina, is 2020 going to be so much better? Like, this was the worst year ever. 2019 was horrible. And then 2020 came and everyone was like, oh my God, a new level of horrible. But I think that, um, I think that the way I've been thinking about this year since I really started like diving in and looking at the astrology is um, I think the the first half of the year is going to be sort of the best and worst of Mars. So um, obviously all the planets are at play, um, but Mars kind of is because Mars represents our young energy, our forward momentum, sort of like the steps and actions we take to make things happen in the world. Um, I'm really focused on, on Mars in the first half of the year because there's so much at play um, with outer planets shifting. And I think Mars is going to be kind of outer planets shifting or um, having sort of interesting 
um, configurations to other planets that I think, yeah, are going to color sort of, um, they're going to color the whole year. But I think Mars is going to be the trigger in a lot of cases that kind of pushes those new energies forward, especially with the case of Pluto. And I feel like we're going to see the best and worst of what people can do with these uh, opportunities. So unfortunately, I think it'll be a year when we see potentially a lot of unrest, violence, um, kind of scarier stuff in the world. But at the same time, all of that Mars energy that is being used to create unrest is the same energy that's going to be available to us to be able to initiate new things in our lives and our communities. So it's really a double-edged sword. And it's, I think, that interplay that we're going to have to negotiate and get used to in this year and maybe for a long time, you know, and figuring out a way to navigate that, um, that's going to be the question of the year. It's like, how do, how do you take, um, these new openings, this new energy, um, the, the propulsive, um, quality that the year has and use it to forward your story, um, and use it to situate yourself in your communities, um, to positive ends because all of the energy <laughs> that is available to people to do violent things or do disruptive things is also energy that you can use to do positive things and to forward your story. So it's sort of like, as we've been talking about this a lot, this like double-edged sword of like, yeah, some difficult things are likely to explode throughout the year. But we also see it as a year of a big return of volition, like which is kind of a stark contrast to the last three years where we've right. had a lot of stagnation and a lot of stuckness and a lot of inability to yeah. move forward. Yeah, I think the last the difficulty of the last several years has really been kind of um a different quality. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, stuckness, not being able to move forward. Illness, like, um, just dross, like being stuck in the mud, like the Pluto Saturn conjunction that colored 2020 was like, you know, everything ground to a halt. All the structures just kind of got blown open. There was like the system kind of decayed, you know? And then we had for several years, the Saturn Uranus square. And I think that that, you know, Saturn was like blocking a lot of the propulsive energy. It was like we spent years kind of imagining how to move forward, but not really being able to so much. Um, and so we think that there's going to be a lot of forward momentum this year. It's just that we have to expect and be prepared for that forward momentum to be expressed through a wide variety of um, avenues from the worst to the best. Mm -hmm. Does that make that, sense? Yeah. So 
Yeah. <laughs> Starting on a real positive note, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I'm still I'm still excited for this year. I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities. I think, yeah, I think so too. Especially for people that have been spent who have spent the last three years planning or working or working towards something or wanting to initiate something um this is the year where it's like finally has an opportunity yeah to bloom. and there's a huge burst of like specifically social momentum that comes like in the middle of the year where it just looks like everybody is like out engaging with their communities like seeing their friends having a good time again in a way that um I don't think we've seen in a long time yeah just like feeling connected feeling social feeling you know happy to be with friends so yeah I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a mix of many like a spectrum of of sort of opportunities and openings so yeah um so typically every year we've done um a year ahead where we kind of try to sec like go month by month or section by section um season by season and kind of let people know what to expect um i sort of have i've looked at this year and i'm kind of i'm seeing it in about six different chunks that I think are useful to maybe uh, that kind of flow together with similar themes. Um, so I'm going to kind of address yeah. those chunks. <laughs> um, I think that the first sort of chapter of this year is January 1st through March 21st. And I'm thinking of this as like productive Saturn season, productive Saturn time. Normally um, Capricorn and Aquarius season would be considered Saturn season because they're um, Saturn ruled signs. But Pisces, um, Saturn is currently in Pisces. So Saturn has like a huge sort of uh, dominant uh, is dominating Pisces to a big degree right now. So I'm kind of including Pisces season within the broader overarching umbrella of Saturn season. Um, so currently we're in Capricorn season. Um, and I think January, really up until mid-February actually, is probably the most overtly positive and productive sort of chapter of this year like there's just a lot of um there's a lot of momentum in January that is sane <laughs> and productive and um it's like full of opportunities to get life like organized and sort of heading in the right direction yeah, I already feel behind because I keep thinking about, I'm like, oh no, this is the time to get stuff done. And it's already the second. Um, but I don't know that you can stop the busyness from happening. I think it'll find you. Yeah. It's just going to be really busy, probably productive, like you said, positively productive, but just busy, busy, kind of like off to the races window of time. 
yeah, I mean, we had a sort of really disorienting December uh, full of full of haze from the square to Neptune. All the planets moving through Sagittarius squaring Neptune, um, plus the Mercury retrograde and the Mars conjunction to Mercury just made December a really tricky window of time to sort of get anything done. I mean, it's already the holidays, right? People aren't getting a lot done yeah. in December, but to just to have any expectations fulfilled. <laughs> it's like, but now it's time to wake up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it honestly, it feels like December 2nd. It's like, wake up from the dream, you know? And um, like we started off the year with Venus squaring um, Saturn. And today, January 2nd, Venus pushes past that square. So we're getting Venus back. She is um, probably going to be happier than she has felt in a very long time, um, probably since really for about two months. Um, she's kind of going to brighten back up. She's in Sagittarius, which is a, a more fun and optimistic sign. She's pushing past Saturn. So we're gaining a benefic in the sky. Venus, you can kind of imagine that she's been like down. <laughs> so she, without the influence of Venus, it's hard to like, have a good time to enjoy each other's company. So we're we're getting Venus brighten up. Um, and then Jupiter stationed direct a few days ago. So now we have Jupiter moving forward, which is another <clears throat> positive um, boon to productivity, to being able to enjoy yourself, to being able to um, take advantage of blessings of all kinds and to receive blessings. Um, Mercury station direct yesterday. So we're going to experience um, some like corrections on our, in, in on the level of communication and sort of correcting some of our misguided thinking over the past couple of weeks. Um, and then perhaps more, most importantly, on January 4th, Mars moves out of Sagittarius into Capricorn. And that is probably going to be the most corrective of all the um, aspects because, because Mars um, is really strong in Capricorn. So it's his strongest sign. It's the sign of his exaltation. Um, Capricorn is super corrective to Mars because um, Mars can re really represent anger and rage and and sometimes that anger and rage can misdirect our action. So it's sort of like acting out of anger, acting out of rage usually doesn't bring about the best result. Whereas in Capricorn, which is a Saturn ruled sign, um, Mars acts much more out of discipline and skill and his rage and anger are kind of tempered. Um, and so it's just a really good time to get things done for the right reasons. Um, so I see I see January as the month to get your shit together. <laughs> I was gonna ask you too about people that are interested in pursuing some kind of education. It seems like January is kind of like a really good time to initiate that or to start that process. I don't know if that seems correct to you. I think 
if it's education to gain a skill set, yes, then yes, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, Mars and Capricorn is sort of like a, a sign that is gonna. Uh, it's a not a sign. Let's use the right words. Um, Mars and Capricorn is a configuration that is going to support mastery. It's going to support um, improving any skill set. Um, it's a highly disciplined version of Mars. Um, and we have until February 13th with Mars in Capricorn. And I kind of... Something interesting is happening with the sun season, sun signs in and the sun sign seasons in the beginning of the year, where um, because all the planets right now are kind of mobbing around together. So we have um, Venus, the Sun, Mercury, and Mars, all kind of like creating these uh, stelliums this year. So all the planets are going to be together in Capricorn. They were all together in Sagittarius. Now they're all going to be together in Capricorn. And then they're all going to be together in Aquarius. But the sun is about 15 or so degrees ahead. So it's creating this sense of having elongated seasons. Because the sun will move out of Capricorn um, in the middle of, you know, around January 20th but all the other inner planets will still be in Capricorn. So it mm. feels like this long Capricorn season. It's been like a very watercolor. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's like a yeah. watercolor year. Um, and then the same thing is going to happen with Aquarius, where the sun will have left Aquarius and moved on into Pisces, but all the inner planets will still be hanging out in Aquarius together. So it feels like we're getting this watercolor season. Um, and Additionally, by the time the sun moves into Pisces in um, end of February, all the planets will still be in Aquarius, ruled by Saturn, and the sun will be moving into a conjunction with Saturn. So that gives Pisces, um, the colors Pisces with like a very Saturn hue, hmm. you know. So that's why I'm saying it almost all the way until March 21st feels very much like Saturn season. Um, and I think that this is going to play an important function because Saturn is a planet that wants to lay the groundwork, um, that wants to build the structure. So it's kind of like whatever you initiate, especially in January and February, really the, will serve as the foundation for the rest of the year, more so than most years. Like we normally attach this importance to um, January, to the beginning of the year, like... Um, is a time to set goals yeah. and start new things but it's usually not yeah kind of like arbitrary compared to the skies yeah normally it doesn't work that way but this year it does kind of work that way so if you're trying to start something new or you're really like you really need to get something organized or coordinated um so that can be functional for the rest of the year if there's any sort of system that you need to create I'm looking ahead at like tasks that you need to do. I think we said this last year and it's again true this year because of eclipse season, like do your taxes in January, <laughs> like any big task that requires focus, like administrative discipline, discipline of any kind, um, get it, try to get it done in the first two months. Um, but I think that the, the momentum of January will feel positive and supportive to people. It doesn't look, it just looks like 
in a very straightforward way, kind of like the most positive part of the year in like it doesn't look like drudgery yeah not like elated positive not like joyous not like though I think there'll be a lot of moments throughout the year where we'll feel that like inflated feeling of like potential um happiness hope excitement yeah it doesn't feel like in any kind of like an inflated sense of joy or enthusiasm but just like happiness and peace in the productivity and the ability to move forward and it feels like whatever you're doing will probably be relatively supported so as you know there's other windows of time where it's it's going to just be like you got to do it but it's going to be problems yeah (laughs) and there's going to be obstacles and you just have to keep moving forward it's like no you'll probably just be able to do whatever without too much extra side quests or anything (laughs) yeah there's also an interesting configuration that happens on um on january 8th so january 4th mars moves into capricorn that's an important day so january 4th is sort of like off to the races um in terms of sort of getting focused getting work done um and then january 8th mercury is gonna square neptune again um and i think this is important because this will be the third like he went direct through neptune he went retrograde through neptune it's going to be the third square to neptune um after we had the mars square um in december so i think that this square might be kind of interesting because if neptune sort of represents our dreams um he can represent our delusions, our inability to see the world clearly, but he does also represent, to some degree, our dreams and the things that we want um, in our creative capacity. Um, so any, like our creativity um, is important to imagining what we could have. You know, we can't, we do have to kind of dream up our future to a certain extent you know it never works out exactly the way that we want but dreams do have a function and i think that this um third square to mercury from neptune or excuse me to neptune from mercury might have a quality of like aha you know like oh Mm -hmm. this is the way i make this happen Mm -hmm. you know and still of course it never works out exactly the way we think but I think it's worth paying attention to what comes up around that time on the 8th. Mercury might, like upon third revision, point out a path, like a, even if it's just like a little avenue, <laughs> a new path to sort of making your dreams happen. Um, and within a broader context of this Capricorn support and creativity so I think that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, and then the 11th is the new moon in Capricorn. Um, everything just feels like moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. Um, so we are going to get another Mars-Mercury conjunction at the end of the year, or end of the month um, in January. So like January 27th-ish. 
I think it's going to feel really different from the last Mars-Mercury conjunction, which happened right after Christmas. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and which was square to Neptune and in Sagittarius. So I think that was sort of like arguing about our differing ways of seeing the world, you know, and my hope for this Mars Mercury conjunction in January is that it'll be sort of like piercing clarity. Mm -hmm. You know, there could be arguments for sure. Always there's arguments between people during Mars um, Mercury conjunctions, but this feels like it could be like Mars and Capricorn discipline focused skill working with Neptune to like get clarity on the next step like the direction that we're going to go in like the plans the plans get downloaded and you can see the blueprint more clearly so um so yeah I, I overall I think I think January is going to be a really positive positive month <laughs> test <laughs> what do you think <laughs> yeah I think again I don't think that like personally there's part of me that's like oh no imagining all the things I should that I already have to do and that I should try to do during yeah. this window of time I'm like I don't think it's, I don't think I can do it um, <laughs> I think that's okay I I kind of feel like whatever is pressing will find you and it's almost like you don't have to jump to I mean you know if there's something really uh I would say if there's something you've been thinking about for a long time that you've wanted to initiate and you are already imagining initiating in the new year, probably try to get some of that taken care of by mid-February. But I don't think that you have to like rush to try to start a million new things. I think that whatever it is will probably just kind of naturally come up and sweep you away. And um, yeah, just positively busy and that you might have time for rest and more desire to rest in February because there might hit a point where you're just like I can't keep moving at this pace this is totally yeah. unsustainable <laughs> I can't keep going like this but that'll just naturally you know cut itself off yeah. so I don't so I guess that's I guess that's it I just don't feel like people have to worry too much about this window of time which is kind of refreshing yeah it's not like a hey hurry, make plans, figure it out. It's just kind of like, no, it's already in motion and it's just, you're just yeah. kind of swept away with the river. It'll feel, I think, productive. And I, if there are, if you're looking ahead at your year and thinking, oh, that's like a big project I should really tackle, this would be a month to sort of do it if you have the space. But um, but yeah, I think Tess is right. It'll find you. Uh <laughs> Um, sorry. And also we're like videoing this, which, we, which I don't normally do. And I keep looking down at like my pages of notes. notes. Yeah. So that's why I'm kind of like staring at the ground. But, um, but yeah, we have a lot of, a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> no, it's weird to know where to look. Cause I'm like, I can see you there. I can see you here. And I don't know which is better for the video. If I'm, I don't know. Yeah. We're doing our best. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying. We're now professionals. Um, so Yeah. And then we shift into the second phase of our Saturn, long Saturn season, which is the Aquarius phase. Um, again, because of this like ombre, watercolor, sun, sun sign season um, effect, um, 
the sun will have moved into Aquarius long before the rest of the planets sort of trail in. Um, but toward the end of January and early February, all the ingresses begin. So like the sun moves January 20th, followed by Mercury on February 4th, followed by Mars on February 13th. Um, but the biggest <laughs> ingress um, and the most significant ingress into Aquarius this year is Pluto. And this is one of the bigger, this is probably the biggest, um, most significant transit of the year. Not necessarily because it's going to color your experience the most throughout the whole year, but it's the beginning of a 20 year transit of Pluto through Aquarius. Um, so Pluto is the outermost planet. Like, obviously my son's always like, Pluto's not a planet, mom. I'm like, I know, but, <laughs> but it, we treat it as one in um, astrology. And there is a good reason for that, right? So um, there are a lot of planetary bodies that are as big or bigger than Pluto that we could include. Um, and a lot of astrologers do. There's all sorts of different um astrological systems that include different um different asteroids different planetoids um pluto gets included because of the of the way that it dips in and out of our planetary sphere um so its orbit sort of like um drops into the solar system in, into our planetary system in a way that those other like Kuiper belt bodies don't. Mm. Um, so it, it has this sort of uh, quality of um, like the gatekeeper to the underworld for that reason, because it's the only one that dips in. Like if we consider that outer belt of asteroids and planetoids as like, kind of like the underworld or the other world that is like outside of our sphere. Pluto's the one that comes, comes back and forth. Um, and he comes through like that little gateway that Pluto drops in through is through the constellation of Scorpio, um, which is why some, a part of why some um, modern astrologers consider Pluto to be the ruler of oh, Scorpio. Interesting. Um, and also because like the significations of Pluto and the significations of Scorpio have a lot of like overlap. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we consider Pluto to be sort of like, yeah, the, the, um, he's Hades. Hades. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. He's, um, he's the gatekeeper to the underworld. He is the one who, um, rules our fears. Um, he generates a lot of psychological trauma. He brings up deep unconscious fears. Um, he is a planet of like deep and sometimes violent transformation. Um, so his the positive aspects of Pluto is that Plutonian experiences and Plutonian events can shift us in big ways in big transformative ways like change our orientation our sense of self um 
so the most positive interpretation of a of a, of a Pluto transit um, would be like it was transformative and gave me access to my personal power or whatever. Um, oftentimes, it's just like scary and <laughs> disruptive. Um, but yeah, Pluto represents deep fears, deep psychological wounds, um, also power, also hidden, um, like a hidden and unseen things. So in the world, he can represent a lot of um, like power struggle, but behind closed doors, power struggle, sort of like the hidden, shady, unseen figures that exercise control over our life and our culture um and oftentimes or the or the imagined ones right it yes. could be real or imagined real or imagined mm -hmm. and so oftentimes when pluto shifts signs which is a big deal because he spends a differing amount of time in each sign but it's somewhere between you know like nine years at when he's moving fastest to like 20 or 25 years so it's a huge amount of time to spend in one sign we're getting 20 years this time <laughs> yeah 20 years in um aquarius he's been in capricorn since 2008 so for us well yeah. i mean we're almost 40 right we're like 38 so most of our adult life like pluto has been in capricorn um so what happens is when Pluto shifts signs, he generates a whole set of um, cultural fears and kind of highlights the places that we are most sensitive and traumatized and um like whatever whatever culturally we think is going to be the the biggest threat to to us as a people to 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 human beings or whatever pluto will kind of shed a spotlight on that um well and then what is how would you describe aquarius because i always get um, a little bit confused by it because I feel like it was sort of there's this like cult like 1960s culture around like Aquarius yeah. being like oh it's like the greatest ever you know creative spiritual openness yeah. but then when I hear astrologers talk about it I'm like okay not quite but <laughs> yeah something really weird happened in the uh the hippie era um where yeah Aquarius the age of Aquarius became this whole social concept or this social idea and a lot of modern or a lot of astrologers now kind of look at that like what the fuck was that <laughs> because um I, I think that there's it's a lot kind of a lot to go into in this sure. um, moment but there's a dispute over planetary rulership of the signs that shifts from um like modern astrology um that was modern astrology that was dominant during the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and into the 90s even, um, 
had like, and it had a lot of connections with the new age. Um, and they assigned rulership um, to the newly discovered outer planets of um, Scorpio, Aquarius, and Pisces. Um, so they decided that um, Pluto should be the ruler of Scorpio and um, Uranus should be the ruler of Aquarius and um, Neptune should be the ruler of Pisces. And that disrupted like 2000 years of tradition, which, <laughs> which said that's, you know, uh, Mars rules Scorpio, yeah. um, Saturn rules Aquarius, Jupiter rules Pisces, right? So they just right. kind of discovered some new planets and they were like, oh, these planets seem similar to these signs. So therefore they are now the rulers of those signs. Um, that's not a view that I hold or think is correct. Um, not because it has no value at all. I'm sure it does within that system of astrology, but I practice an older form of astrology and I practice the ancient rulerships. Um, so there's a big disparity between like the idea of Aquarius as ruled by Uranus um, and the idea of Aquarius as ruled by Saturn. Mm -hmm. So I ascribe to the older version that it's ruled by Saturn. I think that a lot of that 1960s, 1970s age of Aquarius was this idea of Aquarius as ruled by Uranus. Uranus being the planet of freedom and revolution and innovation and all of these ideas well and i think i mean i don't i don't know any of this but my strong impression is probably that because aquarius is associated with water mm -hmm. which is associated with like emotions and creativity and spirituality and there was this kind of like part of the new age dogma is that all those things are inherently pleasant and positive well and you know what's so funny aquarius is an air sign Everybody associates it with water because it's a water bearer. Yeah. But it's not a water sign. And this yeah. is like a really widespread confusion, right. which I could also see that, you know, being mistranslated through that age of Aquarius sort of movement. But um, yeah, Aquarius is associated with water in the sense that the air that blows through the clouds makes waterfall. You know, like it is, it's an air sign. Um, so Aquarius does have to do with innovation and it does have to do with like, um, like there's an association between Aquarius, innovation, social movements, freedom, all of those things are true, but it is from a Saturnian perspective, not necessarily a Uranian perspective. So it, Aquarius is sort of, um, the aspect of Saturn that is future oriented. Hmm. So Saturn represents time um, and boundaries. So Capricorn is the first sign of Saturn. And that's sort of like tradition, right? So the, the veneration of everything that has been developed and upheld over time. And Capricorn is all of the rules and structures of society as it currently exists. Whereas Aquarius is the part of Saturn that is looking to the future and imagining what the rules 
the structure um boundaries what they should and could be mm-hmm. so it's the future oriented version of um of it ha- i guess it has a more imaginative quality mm-hmm. than capricorn right um but i think that that's it's a really important distinction because people assume that aquariuses are going to have this sort of like freewheeling like new agey kind of um i don't know what it is just like a I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but they think yeah, well, it's like a bound, it's like a less boundary, right? Like a yeah, boundary a boundary less quality, like yeah. anything goes, and that is, in my experience, like the absolute opposite yeah. of how Aquariuses are. Aquariuses are very future oriented, and they're very interested in innovation. They're very interested in making things better for people, but they tend to be very boundaried. Mm-hmm. Like they tend to be very social in like a group setting, but also not giving that much of themselves. Like yeah. they're not sort of like, they tend not to be kind of like boundaryless and open in a social setting, but they're like, yeah, um, they have a, tend to have a lot of personal rules about how they should behave in a setting and they're not controlling of other people, mm-hmm. but they tend to be very, in, they be, tend to be controlled within themselves. And, um, and they're in the way that they think about change and making things better is usually in a very systematic way. Mm-hmm. Not, um, it's, it's not it's, general. It's, it's not, not, it's not feeling like, based. I was gonna say, it's not like ideals. Yeah. It's like, Hey, if I think we, did this this and this yeah if we changed this specific thing it would make you know the whole system better for everybody Mm -hmm. so there's a much more saturnian quality to um aquarius than most people sort of give it credit for or realize um but in terms of what aquarius rules in the world and what aquarius the sign of aquarius tends to um have the most rulership and influence over in our society and our current culture tends to be technology oh interesting right because technology is like the future oriented tool of change you know like it's so much of like technological exploration is how do we fix this problem on a big social scale our our culture our society our world is usually looking for technological solutions at this point in time to those problems so when pluto moves into aquarius um and we got a taste of this last year right because pluto was in aquarius for about two months last year and that was the very beginning of that ingress and then he retrograded back into capricorn and when was this last year but what time Oh, um, like early spring. Okay. So we've already had a taste of this, but now Pluto is, this is going to be the first year of like almost entirely Pluto in Aquarius. And um, it's what we saw in the spring last year. And what we'll see again, like a, a big resurgence of, is just technology, future panic. So 
like the robots are taking over the world, <laughs> like massive fear of AI, um, like fear of um, like web, like technological weapons um, development. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like basically sci-fi, everything we've imagined in sci-fi, um, sort of taking over um, or taking a big chunk out of um, human, like our consciousness and, and like what we're afraid of. So, yeah, I mean, we, we can already see it. It already started. Like everyone's terrified of AI and for good and bad reasons. Like I don't, I'm not saying Pluto points out real fears. Like there are real reasons to be afraid of these things, but it's going to generate a lot of irrational fear and panic as well. So, yeah. What I see happening a lot of is like, um, a lot of like reactionary splintering. Um, and by that, I mean, um, some people going like all in, you know, and which we're already seeing, like some people that are like technology yeah. is the future. It's going to solve everything. We're going to lean into it. We're going to, fill our homes up with Nest and Alexa and all these computers and shit, you know, yeah, these things drive me nuts. But um, that there's some people that are going to be like amazing. And then there's going to be other people that are going to be like, no more phones, no more internet, no more. Like big Luddite resurgences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a lot of people kind of moving back into very um, like, you know, off grid, no modern luxuries. You yeah, know, and this kind of like uh, love and fetish fetishization of old things, yeah, um, and old technologies and of analog technologies, and I can see a lot of different groups kind of getting really interested in a variety of streams that could be like, what I'm really into is fax machines, and I collect fax machines. I'm repairing things, you know. <laughs> And then yeah. a lot of people like moving, like only interested in like the latest everything and excited about the latest everything. People being like, no more hot water. We're done with hot water. It's not natural. It's not normal. Yeah. You know, and so I just see a lot of people. Um, and I guess it's probably just going to be like that for all of us to some extent, this, you know, decision as to how much we want to try to keep up with it and how much we want it to use of it you know there's just going to be so many options and we'll just be like is that something that we want is that something that we don't want is this something that's going to improve our life is it something that's going to be a pain is it something that's fully cooked and developed and we know is working or is it something that's shiny and new and is probably going to be full of like do i want to be the test pilot for that yeah. um and so it'll be an interesting <laughs> an interesting like cultural specialization yeah situation. well and i don't think it's all it's necessary it's not necessarily all bad right no, like no. i think that you know people will people already have a healthy well not everybody but there is you know a skepticism of technology and how we're using it within the culture there's many strains different strains of skeptic skepticism but i think pluto will probably make more people skeptical more people have like a healthy sort of respect fear of sort of these 
future-oriented technologies and how they're being used, a lot of more criticism of how they're being used, a lot more awareness of how they're being used. So that's all positive, I, I mean, I think. Um, yeah, well, and I also think that the innovation won't necessarily just be technological, because what that sounds like is that a lot of the older technologies will be lost because everyone will be moving in that direction. But I don't think so. I think a lot of people are going to choose to innovate back Hmm. into different technologies and into older technologies and into different systems of, of doing things. So I think it's actually going to be not like a straight shot somewhere, but more like hmm. yeah. you know, a bubble. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't... It's it's a twenty year transit, so mm -hmm. we're not we won't see yeah, it's the yeah the full blooming of this this year. Um, if you have any planets in Aquarius, that's where it's going to get more interesting yeah. for you specifically, like people who have planets in Aquarius um, or Leo, mm -hmm. um, especially in the early degrees. So it's it will take Pluto twenty years to move. 30 degrees through Aquarius, right? So if you have a planet within one, two, or like degree one, two, or three of Leo or or Aquarius, it's this is going to start to hit you a lot harder than it will hit other people. Um, mostly, I think the best way to deal with um, Pluto transits is to really lean into change like how can I change my life how can I accept this change how can I work with it um because of one of the things that Pluto will do is just generate a huge amount of fear and discomfort and um when it's in an air sign too so that gives it the potential to, for things to move quickly. yeah yeah and like mental um, discomfort, mental, um, like disturbed thoughts. Uh, so, you know, the more you can look at the fear and try to figure out what it's pointing to and try to figure out what you're afraid of changing, <laughs> that is, I think the first step, right? Because a lot of times when we feel fear, it's because there's a change on horizon that we don't, we don't want to face directly. Right. Um, so what's the change and how can you look into the core of it and like go deep into it and just accept that it's happening and work with it? That's the best thing you can do with any Pluto transit, in my opinion. Um, but so, yeah, the, the way in which Pluto moving signs impacts us individually is different than how it impacts the culture. And the most direct impact to the culture is just heightening the sense of fear over um like technological advancements um and yeah i mean if you look at past pluto transits you know capricorn is the um capricorn is the system right it is all systems it is government systems it is the social systems like it is um the patriarchy the you know the government the bank the banking system you know all of these um like that's sort of what capricorn rules 
Um, and, you know, if you look at the last 15 years, right, like as soon as Pluto moved into Capricorn, it was the, the collapse of the banking system in America mm -hmm. and this heightened awareness of like the patriarchy and the systems that are dragging us all down. It's everything, everything, all of the, so much of the social discourse critical social discourse got focused on dismantling systems, dismantling systems. Um, so it's not that it's all bad. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. that it's going to, it's a re it's like refocuses our, our discourse, our fear set, the things that we want to transform or need to be transformed. It also sort of focuses on what's rotten. Yeah. Right. So there's going to be an immediate spotlight put on, you know, who are these people building these systems? Yeah. They're, you know, who are these people building these robots? Like, what do they want? Like, what's their, like, agenda? You know, that's the kind of, like, what's the hidden, um, what's the hidden agenda of the people that are creating this technology? Like, those are the kind of questions that Pluto is going to poke at. The other big social issue with Pluto <laughs> moving into Aquarius, and I take no credit for this insight because I, I'm just like ripping it directly off of Austin topic because um and his talk about this, um, is that it's the Pluto opposition for the boomer generation or for the, the older boomer generation. So those guys all have Pluto and Leo. And um you know, most, a lot of generations don't live long enough to have a Pluto opposition. And um, the boomers were born sort of like right at the correct, like the, the right time in the Pluto cycle or Pluto like moves the fastest. So they were born of Pluto and Leo and Pluto moves like really fast through um, Scorpio and Sagittarius. So there was like enough time for Pluto to transit, you know, to um, Aquarius, which is the opposing sign of Tolio. Um, so that whole generation is, is going to get a, a Pluto opposition transit, which is not exactly pleasant. Um, and one of the qualities of Pluto in Aquarius is that it kind of historically throughout time, um, every time Pluto comes into Aquarius, there is a focus on collectivism to a certain extent and wanting to dismantle the um like find who's the top you know like what's the the who are the people with the most power and sort of cut off the head of that power um Pluto in Aquarius doesn't really like like kings <laughs> um hereditary rulers or um sort of like it's opposing Leo. Leo is the king, right? So the Pluto and Leo generation has tried to hold on to power for as long as it possibly can. And Pluto and Aquarius is going to say, like, you can't have the power anymore. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so that's probably going to be like a tough transit for, um, for that generation, especially the figureheads. Of right. that generation. Yeah. It'll probably be a really... Like, I mean, I think that, like, I I'm not worried about this window of time um, as a whole. I think that there's going to be a lot of good things that come out of it. Um, you mean the 20 years? The 20 years, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that, and I, I think it'll be a really great time for um, independent investigative journalists <laughs> and a really 
yeah uh, not the best time to go into politics um <laughs> like a difficult time to be a politician because you're going to have a lot of scrutiny, scrutiny like a yeah. lot of scrutiny um and also for the boomers um that the Pluto opposition a lot of it will simply be like emotional like it doesn't necessarily mean that something bad will happen to all of them it just might be a very difficult mental and emotional processing window of time yeah the, the loss of power and influence in the culture I think is like you know the really yeah. direct manifestation yeah. of it because yeah it, I, I just think there was enough, and this isn't all boomers, this is like the older boomers that have um, Pluto and Leo, but, you know, they, I mean, look at our, our government, you know, they did have a propensity to hang on to power for a really long time and try to hang on to power, like influence. And there is a, there is like a strain of like extra egoism that kind of runs through the older boomer yeah. generation. Like, and I love many, many, many boomers of very, course. very much, but like, I just think it'll be a challenge to that inflated sense of self that that Pluto in Leo has sort of supported for them because Pluto in Aquarius is going to kind of say no, like no individual gets to inflate themselves above mm-hmm. above the other. It'll not be probably be very bad for like influencer culture, which great, you know, like. I think Pluto and Aquarius is going to be like, why do you think you're special? Why should we listen to you? Like to everybody, you know, there's just going to be a general strain of like, you don't fucking know anything like special. You don't, you don't have, you don't know anything. I don't know. Like you don't deserve this power. Why should, you know, there's like going to be, I think a, a, a bigger, a, a more difficult um, questioning of anybody who's claiming to be worthy of power or influence which is not a bad not a bad thing mm-hmm. at all <laughs> i mean it you know will it will inevitably inevitably lead to power struggles which is yeah. like the problem but um yeah overall kind of like a nicer it's a nice shift back into like collective um benefit as opposed to individual benefit and yeah. imagining yourself as an individual trying to gain the most benefit <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know pluto is a difficult planet i think i honestly as an astrologer who looks at many charts i do think that difficult pluto placements in a birth chart tend to be some of the hardest to overcome because they tend so funny i was about to say the opposite i was about to be like man these pluto kids born this year are gonna be awesome (laughs) yes um well i don't mean i don't know it's not necessarily sign by sign you know i think pluto has like positive and negative effects in every sign but when you have like if you're born with like pluto square your moon or pluto yeah. can join your moon yeah, like yeah, yeah. um those natives tend to really struggle with fear really struggle with like um psychological agitation in a way that's hard to remediate you know um and so i i do think a lot of the effects of pluto is just like how Pluto can kind of have like a death grip on your emotions and your sense of safety in the world. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something we'll talk about so much throughout the next year and 
mm-hmm. you know, the next 20 years, depending on how long this podcast goes for. Um, but yeah, I mean, the immediate effect of Pluto moving into Aquarius um, might not be great, um, but I don't think it will be, there will not be like an, a sustained level of uh wait let me back up pluto moves into aquarius on january 21st with the sun so that will probably be an interesting day like january 20th the sun and pluto will make their last conjunction in capricorn and then they kind of both move hand in hand over to aquarius so that will that will be a day that will highlight all of the like future themes, the future coming themes of um, twenty years of Pluto and Aquarius. So it might be like a very odd, intense day, where we're like, "Whoa, something is shifting like in the world, and we're feeling it really intensely." We will not feel this intense about Pluto and Aquarius for twenty years, but late January through mid-February, there will be like a Plutonian vibe that will sort of permeate the whole culture. And then, um, but I still think, you know, the end of January feels like generally positive and productive. We move into February and this is when we're going to start probably really feeling the more negative effects for a brief window of the new Pluto transit. Um, And that's because on the 13th, Mars is going to make his first conjunction to Pluto and Aquarius. And Mars, like we talked about in the very beginning of this show, is that Mars kind of like takes the energy of a planetary configuration and pushes it into the world through action. So, um we will probably see some like violent disruptions that occur in February that could take a lot of different, um, a lot of different forms, but will capture the fears and imaginations of uh, everyone. So this is the first sort of like real bump, I think, in the year. Um, And I don't, you know, I don't know what that will look like exactly. Um, Tess independently (laughs) was sort of seeing that. She's like, what's going on with February? Like, uh, I don't know, like February doesn't look great, you know? Um, So yeah, that's, that's going to be something to look out for. But I don't think it, I don't think it will be something that affects most people but it will be like probably an incident an incident of violence or multiple incidences that um may or may not have the sort of like quality of um you know pluto in aquarius technology fears i don't know if there'll be like an element of that or not but i do know that when pluto and mars come together that tends to be disruptive and tends to manifest violently in places but because it's the very first conjunction of mars to pluto in aquarius it will have a little extra punch because at the beginning of these long transits you tend to feel their power a little bit more um so that that looks like a 
kind of a challenge like a challenging moment yeah I I just see it being a few weeks of kind of intense fear and um a lot of uh like incomplete information or misinformation or threats or fear being spread so it might not be you know so many actual incidents as a great deal of you know mistrust fear threats not knowing what's going on or what's going to happen um but i think that it's going to be kind of shut down fairly quickly um and so that that kind of that window of time won't lead into march so much yeah yeah it I don't know, because it, it could actually even start earlier, like in late January with the Sun-Pluto sort of conjunction, because um, that because that Sun-Pluto conjunction is happening right as they change sign boundaries, that feels like a big emphasis to me. Um, but then that Mars conjunction to Pluto in the middle of February feels immense. Um like a potential for immense violence. Um, and then there's a new moon in Aquarius on the 9th. Like that's going to also highlight, you know, what's going on in that sign, which is really predominantly Pluto at the moment. Um, so yeah, I think it could be a tricky, a tricky month. Um, I don't see it as like wholesale bad because there is also a Mars Venus conjunction at the end of February. And yeah. I'm wondering in the light of sort of what we're seeing in the, like the tumult in the beginning of the month, I wonder if that's sort of like people are starting to feel a little bit better, like Mars and Venus conjoining tends to be a sort of charismatic um, configuration where, you know, that, the yin pleasure orientation of venus is matched to the yang like action oriented um quality of mars and it tends to be a time when people like it's a good time for romance it's a good time for um meeting people it's a good time for um like synastry of ideas and like in, in aquarius is a very idea-based sign so the two of those qualities together could be like working really well with people like on an idea based um level um and it's also like a long awaited conjunction because we almost had a mars um oh, venus right. conjunction yeah. back in um in june actually in leo which is so interesting because that's the opposite sign of aquarius mm -hmm. so it's like they were supposed to conjoin but they didn't really and um, like Mars and Venus coming together also feels like a fruition of, of a volitional, like, um, opportunity, like, okay, they're finally together and we can like push our desires into the world. Um, and so I, I typically would consider a Mars Venus conjunction to be really positive, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. and it still looks to me like a return of volition. And again, this is kind of like, the double-edged sword of this year right like if people take this martial energy and this new pluto energy to create violence in the world that's a horrible thing and it's probably unavoidable and it's probably gonna happen but that same and that 
the energy that they create is neutral. Like, so you can use it to propel your own projects into the world, your own relationships, your own. So it's the, the force is there to be used. You know, the problem is that some violent individuals may use that force in a way that Pluto grabs onto to sort of create massive widespread fear at a time when we otherwise should really be working on mm-hmm. our own projects. So mm-hmm. hopefully people can still like maintain a sense of focus and and keep working on what they want to work on. But there also might it might just be like shut down emotional too many fears. So I mean, wherever you're at is fine. No one should feel like, you know, they have to work through a really difficult time. But but it is kind of, it's, it's an interest. I'm morbidly interested to see what happens. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I hope for everybody that we can also sort of feel the beneficence of that Mars Venus conjunction and take advantage of it as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, the return of volition, that's one of my keywords for this year. And unfortunately the return of volition can, look a lot of different ways depending upon what it is that you want to do with it that's the definition of volition it's we get to do what we want to do and some people want to do really fucked up things and some people want to do really great things so does that make sense oh yeah 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 okay um and when i was looking like before we talked about this and i was just sort of seeing it i was like okay so because we're planning a trip (laughs) that's kind of how it came up and it was like oh february looks like we're not gonna want to leave the house it looks like no one wants to leave the house like that was what it looked like and mm. then but then as soon as it hit march it was like oh it's fine like it was like end of february it was like t- it looked like very very dramatically like it had been resolved like it had been resolved very quickly like it was like very kind of suddenly uncertain and fearful and then very very quickly resolved um, yeah so i hope that that's it's like a, a Pluto spike in all of I mean, also just like Pluto might be generating all this fear in Aquarius. And then as soon as, you know, the planets kind of trail out of, of Aquarius and into Pisces, it's like Pluto doesn't have, Pluto doesn't have the uh, other players to work with. You know, that's the thing about outer planets. So uh, Uranus, Pluto, Neptune is like, they kind of need, they're always there just sort of like humming, radiating with their sort of themes, but if they don't have the inner planets to sort of interact with, um, they kind of can't really push their agenda into the world so much. So once all the planets leave February, I'm excuse me, leave Aquarius, um, Pluto's not going to have the same effect, you know? So it looks like by, uh, well, by March 21st, uh, all the planets will be out of, out of Aquarius. But I think when the sun leaves February 18th, that'll probably be the beginning of the resolution. Then Mercury on, um, February 22nd, it'll be the sun into Pisces on the 18th, Mercury on the 22nd, um, Venus on the 11th. So yeah, they'll be, they'll be gaining some distance uh, mm-hmm. from Pluto, <laughs> but then we're going <laughs> to, we're going to start getting the conjunction to the conjunctions to Saturn in, um, in Pisces in March. So 
I see March as being more, as being kind of somber and slow and um, <clears throat> having a sort of serious, like building quality. Um, all of the planets are going to be resetting their cycles with Saturn. <clears throat> that's so funny. That's so what I was, well, so what I was seeing was like, I was like, oh, March, what's going to happen in February? The word that I kept using for February not to be alarming, but the word that I kept using for February was sober, sobering. Yeah. Like, it looked sobering. She was freaking me out so much because she kept saying, yeah, I just think whatever happens in February is going to be really sobering. I was like, what the fuck, Tess? Like, what is... Like, what? I don't like that at all. But it might be... The, the reason it might be sobering is not necessarily that it'll be, you know, so bad compared to what's already been happening, but it might be that we have a sense of volition in it. So you have this, you know, instead of just feeling like a passive, you know, character and whatever's going on, you feel like, what should I do? What should we do? What are we going to do in the future? Um, and so a lot of March, like you might, the building, the planning, the Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> March might be a little bit of like, okay, well, how do we want to live my life? What's really important to me? What do I want to do with the time that I have here? And how do I want to help? And where do I want to live? And, you know, so anything that uh yeah that's so that's so interesting because okay i i kind of like i kind of like this because it's kind of pulling march into focus for me a little bit because in march we have um like i said all the like we have the sun mercury venus and then eventually mars all moving into pisces where saturn is currently transiting um with neptune and one of the really important, so we already talked about Pluto moving into Aquarius. That's probably most important transit number one of 2024. One of the second most important transits is Saturn conjoining Neptune in Pisces. So when all the planets start moving into, into conjunction with Saturn in March, they're all going to be joining into this Saturn, ongoing Saturn-Neptune conversation. So what are Saturn and Neptune talking about in Pisces? Like Pisces is uh, our, is a sign that represents our emotional connectivity. Um, it has this watery quality of um, this watery and, and, and disillusion, quality of dissolution, right? So it's imaginal realms, it's dreams, it's our capacity for compassion. That's a really important Piscean quality. Um, it's like the dissolution of structure, the like the place where we see that, you know, the world is an illusion, you know, and that we can make of it what we want. Um, and it's a sign of like deep connectedness. It's a place in the Zodiac where we see that we are all the same. You know, we all share one soul. It has this kind of, um, it, it shines a spotlight on the absolute qualities of, of the higher absolute qualities of the universe, of the divine that we can't necessarily feel and experience in our everyday life, but we feel them a little bit more in Pisces and we understand them a little bit more deeply. Um, so it's sort of an unnatural place for Saturn to transit 
right? Mm -hmm. And in Pisces, what we experience a lot of is the dissolution of the rules. So Saturn is material reality, material structure. It is it is laws, it is boundaries, it is like real stuff. <laughs> um, I probably shouldn't slam that chair. Um, but the real stuff of the world. And Pisces is the place where we see that. We see the unreality of everything where we we dissolve structures, we dissolve rules, we we take away boundaries. Um, we are all one. So there's this this discord between the nature of Saturn and the nature of Pisces. In addition to just like the quality of Pisces, we also have Neptune transiting through Pisces as well right now. And Neptune is another planet of like creativity, of dissolution, of haze, of just like uh, the imaginal or spiritual realms. So Saturn is sort of, he is moving into his own dissolution. <laughs> he is having to sort of let like release a lot of control over the material realm and when saturn transits through pisces it, we're kind of in this process of reimagining how we want to structure the world around us reimagining um what we materially want in our life what how what's the right or best way to interact with the world around us like suddenly we may have opportunities to reimagine or restructure things that seem that once seemed so solid that they were laws of nature yeah, yeah unshiftable the laws of nature yeah. you know like and now suddenly we're like well fuck i guess we can just do what we want you know um so it may have this quality of like something so shocking happening in february something so sh like rattling um whether it is just whether it is actual like disruptive events or just pluto and aquarius giving us this sense of like oh god like the future is potentially more unlike anything we had imagined and more scary than we could have thought that when all the planets start moving into Pisces, we there's this natural like motion that happens of sitting back and saying, okay, let's take a, a sober or serious look at the assumptions we've made about the fixed nature of the world and let's just throw them away because nothing like we can't control what's happening we can't control everything around us so the best we can do is rebuild the structures of our lives to work for us better yeah i mean that would be best case scenario it could also be the opposite right like you're like you know certain people are like we can't let go of any of these structures we're going to fight as hard as we can to hold on to them and we're going to fight whoever we think might be <laughs> the people that we can beat in order to get that but happen. that's the thing about yeah. Pisces is like it's not very good at fighting. Well, it what I imagine is kind of like a. I I don't I'm trying to think of how nice I guess I don't like the word tantrum. In to describe children, but it would kind of looks like a tantrum. Like a lot of people are just like, what? How can this be? Yes. Like, God damn it. No. Yeah. Loss of control. We were talking about this earlier when we were trying to discuss like 
how what's the best way to help people move through this period of time that is like the best and worst of everything you know like um lots of volition but be like so what it, it's people that like want to control the world or want to be able to reliably expect things from the world will probably have the most difficult time yeah. and but what did i say that people that are interested in like really weird shit will probably have a great time <laughs> and weird could be positive right like, yeah it could be just like interesting unique odd unusual um but like what i was kind of thinking about is that you know a lot of times when we imagine a controlling person we think of like we generalize a group of people that is outside of ourselves as like oh they're controlling and i'm a part of a group of people that's not controlling or you know something like that so i think the best thing to do is to assume that you are controlling about something that there's you know it's there's going to be like a controlling impulse somewhere in our charts it could be um we like to control ourselves we like to control our thoughts we like to control what other people say what other people do our home environment a global environment like there is most of us have some place where we like to assert control so i think instead of trying to decide are we controlling just decide you know what are you most controlling what are what am i most controlling about and how can i relate to that in a way that um has some flexibility to it because uh it's likely that that will be pushed and kind of like stretched or snap in the next yeah <laughs> in the next you know in the next 20 years and you know stretching it is a great way to go if you can yeah I, uh, Pisces is a great place to do that, to like, <laughs> to practice, you know, how, like practice your flexibility. Like Pisces is a very flexible sign. It's a mutable sign. Sometimes, you know, in people who have really dominant Pisces placements can really struggle with being too flexible. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, they're so mutable, so flexible that they ha don't have like a solid core, core, or, you know, yeah. or, or feel at times that they don't have a solid core or, um, they have a hard time driving, you know, action from their their own solidity, you know. More, they feel like they're being pulled in too many different directions. But for folks that are more controlling um, or more rigid, um, as we all are in many ways, I don't mean this as like a judgment thing, but Pisces is a good place to practice release, you know. Um, and to practice practice getting to know who you are and who you can be within a context that you don't have any control over right it's we've kind of lived through this really extraordinary window of human history i mean at least um here in the united states and a lot of other countries where there has been like a long duration of relative peace and economic growth and relative safety and um, like a, an agreed upon social structure and forms of media that allow us to expand upon that social structure and the common vernacular and slang. So it's like we've had 
a lot of this weird opportunity to rely on the things that are outside of ourselves as being consistent, as being predictable, yeah. as caring for us. Um, and I don't think that we'll necessarily move into a window of time where we are suddenly without safety or without, you know, good things. But the feeling of that reliability is likely going to go away. And so, um, you know, if you're leaning against that wall and that wall disappears, um, yeah, that can be the difficulty. But if you can instead decide, okay, who am I without the wall? What am I without the wall? What are the things that I really value? And how do I um, cultivate that through my actions in the world? Like that's going to, like, it's going to be a very, very positive time for people that want to do that and that are inclined to do that. Yeah. I, the other really big quality that probably I see season will, like, we'll feel it really strongly, I'm guessing, around the 28th of February because there's going to be a Saturn-Sun-Mercury conjunction. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like Mercury... Um, the Mercury Kazemi is always like a, a nice uh, Mercury Kazemi being when Mercury um, conjoins the sun. Anytime a planet conjoins the sun, that's called a Kazemi. Um, so the, the sort of the rays and the brightness of the sun overwhelm a planet and kind of um, like burn up all of its agendas and attachments. And then it, like its most essential nature has to kind of like shine through so it, it tends to be a moment of deep insight um we're able to let go of things that we're attached to or let go of agendas and just see like a deeper quality of things but that kazimi is going to happen at the same time as saturn is having its kazimi so we're seeing mercury and saturn come together under the rays of the sun at the same time so it's like our thinking process has to be infused with the qualities, the structural qualities of Saturn, but it's happening in Pisces. Um, so it's really a, mo it feels to me like a real moment of like restructure, um, restructuring the, our thought process, restructuring our understanding of ourselves in the world, but from the lens of Pisces. So um, restructuring our relationship to compassion, restructuring our relationship to others, restructuring our understanding of connectivity and a, a moment of like being forced to really look around and accept that things are impermanent, <laughs> that the stuff that we rely upon in the world always eventually dissolves and goes away. Um, and that all we really have to rely upon is our essential nature, you know, our, our soul, our relationship to the divine, whatever, however you're going to conceptualize that we are only ourselves, you know, <laughs> could it also be, um, like, uh, misinformation or disinformation or, lies or beliefs or something coming to light or coming to truth oh um, for sure yeah. and but that's sort of like 
I don't know where you're wanting to go with that. Like you should finish your thought because I'm gonna about to launch into like a a long discussion of that. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I was just thinking. Well, when as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, people are gonna be so sad. Yeah. <laughs> because, because look, we've talked about this on the podcast a lot. But if you're only been watching the um the year ahead forecast, you might not have heard us talking about it as much. But it's this idea that we are an unusually information, mental information, mental processing focused group of people, like that I think is very much about, you know, the time and the place that we're in. And so we draw a lot of a sense of power, community, like resources, simply from knowing or thinking that we know things or that we know things better than other people or that we have the highest forms of knowledge or um and it's not <laughs> most of us are not processing the world like clearly or you know we're all approximating the world based on a variety of experiences and our brains don't work just like data machines. Like we're not just experiencing data, correctly analyzing the data, communicating that data. Like it's not like that. And so we all have a degree of illusion and delusion and fantasy that we are engaging with that is unavoidable. Um, and so the more you can just accept that nature of your mind and not attached too strongly to anything that it's doing, it's a lot easier and more peaceful to be confronted with um, conflicting information or with new ideas or with the, uh, you know, anything falling apart, any old ideas falling apart. But because we have so many people that that's like so much of their identity and is there, yeah, what they, is know, what they know, what they believe, what they believe. And yeah. then so having this moment where a lot of that is just gone like just poof gone um it's it's really it's really hard um because there's just so much shame you know a lot of times there's a lot of personal shame a lot of times there's a lot of anger because you have a sense of betrayal oh. um again that loss of identity who am i without this belief or without this knowledge and it makes people very vulnerable to um, to new ideas, to being kind of taken into new ideas or opposite ideas, or to adopting um, like another set of uh, information sources or ideas that seem to conflict with the old idea that they found out was wrong, even though the new ideas might be even more kind of far out there. It's just, you know, it, it, it can become this like thing of like grasping onto the next highest branch on the tree. Yeah, looking for the next concept that's going to fulfill it's that need for certainty, that. you know, yeah, and yeah. instead of, so what you want to do under this transit, I think what I'm understanding you saying is like practice the muscle within yourself that yes. is going to allow you to accept uncertainty yeah. and not jump to another sort yeah. of set of beliefs or set of interpretations of the world that will fulfill that need or that yet yeah, desire to have 
solidity or certainty. Like this is the year to begin to practice who am I in uncertainty and like, can I be okay with uncertainty and what, what can be solid about myself, my orientation to the world, my love for others, my love for myself, my love for God, whatever it is, those things, those are the things we can control and that we can like learn to stabilize within uh yeah a broader picture of uncertainty and it's a really foreign concept for a lot of us the idea of becoming stable through action yeah as opposed to becoming stable through a mental state um it's really foreign but it's very very possible and I think that's kind of why I'm a little bit excited about the kids (laughs) Because the kids are going to be born into this, that you know, the, the coming generations are going to be better at it than we will be. It'll yeah. be easier for them to be like, no, no, no. What makes you stable is the things that you do, and how you act, and what you know in your heart, and how you treat yeah. people. Um, those are the things that, and the relationships that you develop. Those are the things that are stable. The ideas will all wash away. Um, yeah, I mean, this is like a perfect entree into. Um... It's a perfect entree into the next big conjunction, which is the influence of Saturn and Neptune conjoining. So Saturn and Neptune are both in Pisces. Um, they're not going to take a direct hit. This They're not going to make a direct hit this year, but they're going to get really close um, within 10 degrees. So that we're going to feel the effects of it more and more strongly as the year goes on. And then next year, you know, they'll actually conjoin but um like one of the effects of neptune is that um that creates this haze there's this quality of dissolving this quality of like not being able to see clearly um a focus on like imaginal worlds and um like spiritual realms so with Saturn moving into a conjunction with Neptune, um, Saturn represents reality, <laughs> like a structure of material reality, you know? So we're going to see a lot, like the rise of skepticism mm-hmm. in a big way with Saturn moving into um, Neptune. Because everyone's going to be like, everything we've been told is a lie. Like, you know, everything we thought was real isn't real. And I think because of exactly what Tess is saying, like, so much of our sense of self in this culture is based on what we know and believe or how we have interpreted the information that we all have access to. Like, there's this, this, you know the internet and you know our our society is very information focused and then there's all these like lenses and ways to interpret the information and we tend to like identify very strongly with that lens Mm -hmm. and that that way of interpreting it you know and um with the rise of like skepticism I think there'll be like this kind of um even the tendency to fight even more about your lens Mm -hmm. and accuse other people's lenses of being like 
you know, the worst problematic, most worst, you know. As though their ideas are shaping reality in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then with this in combination with like Pluto in Aquarius and the rise of like AI and the impact of AI on our information systems is like (laughs) that Pluto Aquarius bit with Saturn and Neptune that the combination of those two is just has the potential to kind of just I I don't even know what I'm trying like sink our um information system into the muck like completely into the muck right because you know it's going to become really impossible to verify media like very very difficult and we can already see that i mean i remember i was like so i work in my (laughs) professional life in uh documentaries at times and i was working on this project um and the editor was showing me some of the new ai tools for um for like image editing and audio editing and it was like he was just casually showing me the way that you can make like anybody say anything the way you can add like seamlessly add an image like into another image you could put somebody who wasn't in a scene into a scene you can make them say things like and I remember watching this with like absolute horror and I'm like oh my god John this is fucking horrible and oh, I should have said there's, there's lots of there's a lot of Johns um, <laughs> I was like this is horrible and he's like it's great what do you mean this is like gonna be really helpful for the project I'm like no 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 this is gonna have like horrible broad scale implications like on our culture like there is no truth there is nothing real and you know obviously we've already been seeing that you know every I know we don't have to like, go into the details because we already know them but you know anything we see anything we hear any photograph video audio it's not going to be trustworthy or verifiable you know so we're gonna have to completely reorient our relationship to information yeah and i don't know what the answer is exactly but i know that we're all gonna have to like loosen our attachments to our the way that we view and understand things and accept that there's a good chance and probability that we have been wrong will be wrong will continue to be incorrect about things um and attach our sense of Mm self-worth to other qualities you know Mm -hmm. like and that information will have different um like have a different relationship to information where it's like not about having the correct set of beliefs about the world but using information to do productive things like if you use information to learn how to do something and it works and you can do that thing and it's valuable great (laughs) you know that is useful information (laughs) um it's actually kind of it's gonna be probably pretty decent for a lot of experts and a lot of people that have spent their lives cultivating expertise yeah um and so if you want to start doing that this year also, if there's anything you've wanted to do, yeah. if there's any way you want to help or any kind of education that will allow you to do something, um, yeah, I think it's going to be very, I know this is like a weird way of putting it, 
and I know that this word has a lot of different meanings, but, and I use it very lovingly because I love these people I'm about to say, but like nerd, but like nerds, like people that are like really hardcore nerds about specific topics um, and get really, like, I think that it's actually going to be a very positive window of time for people of that <laughs> description. Yeah, I think there's going to be like a huge spike in like the era of like arguing about our opinions and everyone wanting to have like go into all out war over who has the right view of things. And then Saturn and Neptune are going to conjoin next year and that's all just going to crash. And like we're all going to realize that like our opinions don't mean anything they don't matter they don't actually impact the world very impact the world very much and that like the real well i'm gonna have to reorient ourselves to the nature of the relationship between truth and information you know and and also applicability and right? yeah and how yeah how we can apply it to the world and yeah i mean we're gonna the reliable things are going to be our relationships with others like the 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 quality of um you know being able to believe and trust someone because you know them and because you know they have proven to be trustworthy people in your life whether or not information like gives you tangible real um access to yeah things that we need in the world who who can make the medicine who can grow the food like <laughs> who can you know do the things um and everything else will just kind of become a wash because we won't really be able to know you know what what's real and what's not mm -hmm. yeah it'll be it'll be the ending of many things many ideas and probably most of us will lose something yeah um but that also means that a lot of bad ideas right. <laughs> will also go away and this is not a process that we're all gonna have to like go from the beginning to the end no, of in no, march no, um no, it no. just sort of march just feels like uh like a a big surge of these themes um that will really continue to play out over the next two years like by the time saturn leaves um pisces in 2026 i think all of us will have had to confront in a very real way these issues with information and re reliability of information and our relationship to our belief systems our relationship to our opinions but march is just sort of like the beginning. Yeah, the beginning. A, a beginning. Uh, I wouldn't even say the beginning because I think some of this is happening oh, already, but yeah. like uh, a very pronounced moment. Yeah, a moment of it. And so, yeah, but I still think that um, March has the potential to be positive in a lot of ways because it can kind of, I think it will refocus us on mm -hmm. the things that really matter yeah and i think we'll feel the volition to go after those things like yeah. so we i think we've talked so, several times about having a moment of re, re, like review or wanting to figure out who we want to be and wanting to figure yeah. out what we want to do but i feel like in march it's actually going to be able we're going to be able to make it happen yeah so it'll be okay what do we want to do let's do it 
let's get it done. Let's start this. Um, or let's make it happen now because we've been preparing for it. So I think that that will lend a lot of excitement yeah. to the whole thing. Yeah, I think, so, okay, in summary, we've kind of like hit upon the first chapter of this year, which all the chapters are not equal length. So <laughs> well, and you don't want to talk a lot about yeah. the future, so this will be the longest. One. We won't, yeah, um, yeah, talk this long about every chapter, but um, January 1st, through March 21st, um, Saturn season. <laughs> um, so I think that, again, January will feel very propulsive. Um, there'll be a lot of access to like productivity to getting things done. Good th- time to get things organized, especially the things without any emotional charge. Mm-hmm. Like just like, I need to reorganize my bookshelf. I need to do, I need to make you know, the correct files. I need to get a new computer. I need like, whatever it is that your goals are, what are the tools that you need? Like, and, and to start the practice of the discipline, you know, like if you're trying to reorient your day, so you're like, you know, maximizing productivity, it won't necessarily stick throughout the whole year, but it could be like a nice time to create the container for the discipline, the practice for whatever you want to do, get your goals straight. February, we see like disruptions in the world. Absolutely. Um, a re a, the beginning of a process of refocusing on our um, what's really important because of sort of the unpredictability of the world around us. And it might be a time where we look at like our goals from January and say, okay, like those were correct. I want to keep going. They are important to me. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I can let go of these, this this part of it, this part is not as important, you know? So mm-hmm. I think it's a nice like refocusing time. Aquarius is like very idea-based, airy, mental. So we'll be able to like quickly move through our thoughts and quickly move through our ideas and and hone the good ideas and sort of throw out the bad ideas. And then March, we're still in this, we're like indirect coming into direct contact with Saturn. The sun is going to conjoin Saturn. Mercury is going to conjoin Saturn. Venus is going to conjoin Saturn. And we will sort of go into the heart of um, what is most sobering, but also our capacity for compassion and connection and like really look at what we want to carry through. And I think still feel the volition um, in the capacity to do it, um, we're, we're still going to, um, we're going to have this supercharged Mars that has just come out of his, you know, Mars, Mars had his cycle reset in Scorpio back in November. He encountered his first obstacle through December, but yeah, January, he picked up a bunch of strength in Capricorn and then he had his conjunction to Pluto. And again, like we talked about, like that Mars Pluto conjunction can be like really fearful it can create like violent upsets in the world but we could also use that neutral energy to help us transform ourselves you know so we want to think about like the beginning of the year being this like volitional transformative energy that that creates like a I'm almost thinking of it as like like a piercing arrow you know that can has the momentum to like fly through the whole season mm-hmm. does that make sense um so yeah and then march 21st we kind of 
move into new territory. And so um, that territory is eclipse season. Um, and so this is a quick um, sort of, I'm, I'm seeing it as like a, a month long sort of like obstacle. So I think this is the first time in the year where we feel like stuck. Um, and like everything is like, even in the February disruption period, we're not, I don't think we're stuck. I think we can still move forward, but eclipse season feels stuck. Um, and I really want to highlight this because I don't want people to like despair, like, oh, we're going back to the way things were. I think it's just like a momentary stuckness. Um, so like March 21st through um, about April 20, April 19th, um, Mars is going to conjoin Saturn and Pisces. Um, I think that's going to feel like um, pressure to move faster than we can. Um, so Mars, when Mars conjoins Saturn, there's a sense of like Saturn being these like like hard, heavy obstacles and and Mars moving into it is like trying to move Saturn faster than he can move. And Saturn moves slowly um, and Mars moves fast. So there's this like interplay of like, go, 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 but we can't. Um, so something sort of material and heavy, some like reality that is bigger than just ourself is, ho is holding us back. Um, Mercury is going to retrograde in Pisces. Um, so he's going to retrograde, like he's going to pass Saturn, have that Kazemi, and then he's going to um, start moving backwards through Pisces at the same time as Mars conjoining Saturn. So that looks like starting to, like our, our thought process coming into review or, or becoming more difficult to communicate. And then we have two sets of eclipses. The first eclipse um, is a lunar eclipse in Libra. That's going to be on March 25th. And then we get a total solar eclipse in Aries that is going to be vis visible from the United States. So a lot of this, uh, yeah, it makes me feel like it's, I think it's going to be really difficult in the United States, especially like there might be like domestic troubles um, that flare up at this time. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's the sun is going to conjoin Neptune. Um, or I'm sorry, scratch that. Um, the sun is going to be in Aries getting eclipsed. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think the total total solar eclipse in Aries, um, that feels like a big challenge to the ego in general, like a big challenge to um, the idea of being able to do stuff on your own. Um, and I think, I think that's something we... It's, that is worth touching on with like the big shift into Aquarius this year is like there's going to be a, a recurrent theme of like we we have a, this return of volition and we can do what we want to do but we need to 
do things with the collective like in mind you know there's going to be a backlash i think this year against action that we take that's only for ourselves or in service of ourselves so um yes we're going to have opportunities to move forward in ways that we haven't in the last couple of years but if we move forward only for our own um yeah for our own desire in service of our own desires or in service of uh selfishly i think there'll be like a sort of a snapback against that um and yeah the solar eclipse in aries is probably not going to be good for kids in the United States. Um, I don't know what that means, but um, necessarily, I mean, I hope it's not like a school shutdown or school. Um, I don't, I don't think it would be that, but I, it might be like a big confrontation around um the issue of like school shootings and the way that we have not taken care of uh, or prioritized children in this country. I think that could be a big theme um, because Aries is the fifth house of the United States, which is what the fifth house represents children. And it's going to be a total solar eclipse over like that blackens a lot of like continental United States um, and eclipses are always more powerful where they're visible um, so yeah I'm just trying to think of the different possible manifestations but I do know that regardless it's going to be a time these are pretty intense eclipses um, and Venus is going to be right in the middle of it so that's going to sort of darken Venus um, and whenever one of the benefics goes dark under eclipse we kind of like don't have access to them so it just feels like this time when we're being asked to go faster than we can. So we feel relatively stuck and we're also dealing with intense eclipses that are creating this like murky haze where we don't really, we can't really see where we're going exactly. And it's going to have a big impact on cardinal rising sign folks. So if you have, um, Libra or Aries rising, that's going to impact you probably more than the average, um, to some degree, Cancer and Capricorn as well. Um, but I also, I do think it's like, um, I think it's a month that we will move through. And when we get to the end of it, when we get to late April, a lot of the brightness, um, and possibilities that the, your promises are going to start to shine through and in fact i think like late april may and june look like big bright expansive uh it looks like a bright expansive window of time mm -hmm. what i don't know if this is necessarily good but um i'm not seeing like a strong single story for that eclipse season yeah so what i would guess is that this is going to be like scattered issues that can happen on a lot of individual levels um so it might just you know so for some of us it might just be a particularly emotional time for kids yeah for some of us it might be like uh like 
maybe losing faith in the education system or maybe yeah. losing access to education or, you know, something like that. But I don't see it being like one big sweeping thing. I see it just being like, a, you know, billion like little things kind of sweeping through. So just kind of leading to a lot of stress and uh, challenge. Yeah. Um, and like m maybe some like pushback from parents who are just exhausted because it's been very very challenging yeah to have young children it could um, also be like um burnout from the first part of the yeah. year you know like yeah. if we've all been pushing and like trying to take advantage of this like momentum that the first part of the year kind of invites us into this month just yeah it might feel like everyone has hit a wall and is feeling burnt out aries really represents initiation um and especially from like an individualistic perspective so kind of like aries is like the fighter the the warrior the um the athlete like feats of strength that an individual performs um it's like egoism it's the self um it's ruled by mars and i think that um with mars conjoining saturn at the same time as Aries eclipse um yeah it just indicates like we can't do it by ourselves it's too much like we need a, a collective approach um and we're kind of exhausted trying to push against the wall on our own um but at the same time as this is all happening I mean we have the sun um and venus getting eclipsed um and then we have mars and mercury with saturn um but sort of unimpacted by this mess is jupiter mm -hmm. and that's positive because he's not really drawn into the fray he's kind of over in taurus doing his own thing and what Jupiter is doing is really, really impactful. It's basically Jupiter moving into a conjunction with Uranus. And you, Jupiter and Uranus conjunctions are tend to be really positive um, and expansive. And I think that, um, I think it's going to be one of the most positive signatures of the year. So it's it's kind of it's kind of sucks that it's happening at the same time as the eclipse because but it's, but it's also kind of nice because yeah the eclipse is okay yeah so it, it it's like a background pattern that is positive um, but but we might not feel the full positivity of it until eclipse season is over. Which is why I've sort of imagined eclipse season, like March 21st through April 19th, as its like own little chapter that is like a big obstacle to get through. And then actually it is on April 20th that Uranus and Jupiter make their conjunction. So right as the sun moves yes. out of Aries and into Taurus, we get him highlighting this like really big expansive innovative conjunction of Jupiter and Uranus so we're gonna actually like pause for a minute um so I can like 
look ahead and really collect my thoughts. But yeah, so we move out of eclipse season into, I think, a more positive um, chapter of the year. <laughs> okay, so um, we like took, uh, we took account of the time for the first. Well, yeah, we, <laughs> also, we also kind of talked about a lot of things that are going to lead throughout the entire year. So yeah, so the first part will be yeah. longer than the second part. Yes, we'll try to go faster <laughs> through the chapters and just hit the like primary things, uh, especially because, you know, we have a weekly podcast now. So there's plenty of time to kind of like dissect this in more detail. But um, but yeah, we I will just move through the next three chapters and um, well, four technically, but, you know, who's counting? Um <laughs> as quickly as we can uh, i'm just gonna give you the the big highlights um but yeah so we talked about eclipse season um i think just think of it as like a, a period of obstacle obstacles and overwhelm and maybe not even obstacles as much as just overwhelm and exhaustion and just like needing to recognize our limits i think is a big um possibility eclipse seasons always do have the opportunity to like bring about big endings or big beginnings so um it might be sort of like uh yeah like something that needs to come to a close to accommodate whatever vision uh you see it in the beginning of the year blossoming um, there might be something that needs to kind of close out and like exit our life in order to make space for what's growing. Um, I don't know, unless the eclipse is hitting a planet in your birth chart really specifically, I wouldn't necessarily expect something new to begin because we're in the middle of this eclipse cycle. Um, so I'd be surprised if it brought in anything like brand new, but it could certainly close something out, <laughs> um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. So, but yeah, after the difficult eclipse season, we move into what I feel like is the most expansive part of this year and sort of like obviously blessed part of the year. Um, and that is about April. I'm thinking of it as April 20th to about early July. Um, Taurus season is really exciting this year. We get the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction. Uranus is expansion and innovation and radical change. Um, and Jupiter is blessings and stabilization, like growth, stabilized growth, right? So um, Uranus is in the very late degrees of Taurus now. So um, Uranus has already moved through Taurus since for several years. So since about 2018. So a lot of what this might look like is the changes that Taurus initiated in this part of our life becoming like being blessed and stabilized by Jupiter and sort of Ex being confirmed and expanding into our life in more stable and productive ways. Um, you know, in the culture, it looks like Jupiter and Uranus conjunctions can look like um, 
technological advancements that really like bless um, the culture and like help uh, make things more stable and productive for everybody in Taurus. Taurus has a lot to do with like material reality. Um, it's like food, luxuries, um, like material things that we enjoy and, 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 and that bless our lives and the foundations, like the resources that we use to build things. Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of astrologers are really hoping that Jupiter will kind of stabilize food prices and stabilize some of the resource, um, stabilize some of the, uh, the, the supply chain and like resource issues that really surged through COVID. Um, but I think the best way to look at how it's going to impact your personal life is just to look where Taurus is in your chart and like expect some of the growth that you've been seeing in that area of your life to get blessed and stabilized. Um, so if you're a Jupiter ruled person, you can expect, for example, you know, an expansion of your capacity and then a stabilization of that expansion. So it's almost like you've been working on gaining a skill set or you've been working on um, making your life more free in some way. Um, Jupiter comes in and says, like, yes, you can do this and you can continue. You can continue to do it. Like, so it's it's not just about something big happening, although Jupiter and Uranus always does bring about the possibility for like big unexpected events to kind of bless us. Um, we're also going to be looking at Jupiter confirming changes that have been in progress for a long time. So whatever you've been working on in the past couple of years that has required you to change or grow, Jupiter is just going to support that change. Um, and it's really nice because it's happening in the late degrees of Taurus. So it's kind of like we get a month, almost all of Taurus season to celebrate this blessing, to celebrate the change and to celebrate the work that's been put in and to kind of feel the effects of it and sink into it and in and in Taurus, like enjoy and luxuriate in those changes. Um, and then Jupiter is going to move into Gemini. Um, and so that occurs, Jupiter moves into Gemini on May 25th. Um, so that is going to represent a major shift in like, the whole quality of the year. Um, and I think it's going to be really fun transit. Jupiter isn't necessarily his strongest in Gemini. It's not considered to be a sign that he's like naturally oriented toward, but um, it is a sign where we're likely to feel, uh, it's a transit where we're likely to feel more social um, more flexible, which is probably good for this year in general. Um, we're going to be inclined to engaging with a lot of different ideas and, um, like taking on our focus might kind of, um, diversify. Our focuses might diversify and spread out and we might get sort of like many sort of short-term opportunities 
to enjoy friends, to socialize, to engage in new ideas, to, to jump onto new projects. It will just kind of feel like this is the moment where the whatever we've been most focused on for the year, it kind of like diversifies and spreads out and our options um, kind of become wider. And I think that Gemini season is gonna feel pretty nice. Um, and all the planets, like the inner planets are gonna start um, making conjunctions to Jupiter um, so we're going to get uh, Mercury-Jupiter in early June. We're going to get Mercury. Um, at some point we get Mercury-Venus. Okay, so Venus and Jupiter in late May. Um, we're going to get, then we'll get Mercury and Venus in early June. Um, excuse me, Mercury and Jupiter in early June. So, and the Sun and Jupiter. So we'll, it'll kind of be like all of these... Um, our thinking mind, Mercury, um, Venus, our relationships, the things we enjoy, um, Jupiter, like our expansiveness, our wisdom, the sun, our soul, all moving into Gemini kind of like around the same time, all kind of getting um, sort of getting to taste this like new uh, Jupiter quality that we're all going to be experiencing for like a year. So Jupiter will be in Gemini for almost a full year. And, um, I think it'll be a, like a, just a really nice expansive period, um, where kind of, we'll just get to explore a lot of new things and enjoy a lot of like different options. Um, I think the, the downfall of Jupiter and Gemini is that, he's sort of cut off from his normal orientation toward depth. So Jupiter wants to kind of like go into deep understanding and wisdom, whereas Gemini tends to be a little bit more mercurial and surface level. So I think the effect will be like, we're learning about a little bit of everything. We're experiencing a little bit of everything. So there's less of a focus in Gemini. However, um, it is probably going to be a really good time for like exploration of the new like new technologies and like um in like a, a nice innovating moment um because Jupiter is going to trine Pluto so as soon as Jupiter moves into Gemini he's going to sort of have this really synergistic trine with Jupiter in um, Aquarius or when with Pluto in Aquarius so we get some of the um, we get to see Pluto in Aquarius from a little bit of a more positive light so what kind of like we've seen the fear part of it but now we get to see like well what can we do with this new power <laughs> uh, so it might feel like more Me medical breakthroughs yeah um, exploring some of the more positive aspects of like of AI or like new tools, like, you know, the, the fun media aspect of, of the future, you know, like I'm imagine, I think Apple's coming out with their like fancy, like virtual reality headset. Like I'm imagining, you know, a film festival with like a bunch of virtual reality 
expositions and like that kind of thing that feels it's, it's so not this is not for me I'm just part of me is just like oh my god <laughs> but I, it's fine if other people enjoy it that's fine it's but, just not <laughs> yeah it's like I expanding into a lot of new and different arenas avenues vistas like I think that's what it will feel like but I also think it'll be really social and fun time um and then the other you know, important quality of anytime, you know, Jupiter moves signs, we get about a year of Jupiter in that sign and Jupiter is blessings. Jupiter is expansion. So you're going to want to look at, you know, wherever Jupiter falls in your chart and think about what you would like to expand in that area of your life. And it's the time to do that. You're going to be supported and blessed um, by this Jupiter transit. So um, it's also, yeah, just important to look at what, what Gemini rules for you. So, um, sorry, I was laughing because I was trying to imagine, I was like, okay, but this isn't necessarily going to be technology. So what else could it be? You know? And I was like, oh, probably a great time to join a cult. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's on your horizon, but also probably a great time to get involved in organizations. Yes. Um, like any organizations, like anything that you want to do, like meeting people that are doing it or already doing it or forming an organization. Like, yeah, I said technology because of the trine to yeah. Pluto in Aquarius, but also Gemini is just like it's, you know, socially oriented. So um, a good time for launching any sort of new communication podcasting <laughs> um <laughs> like art projects um communication projects like any sort of like group dynamic is all going to be supported by jupiter and gemini so like joining new association or going to conference or i don't know all what the kind of thing social people the kinds of things that social people do but but i think it'll be nice i think i i do think like april to like early july is some of them most like inherently positive energy of the year I don't know do you kind of feel that? oh yeah yeah no I, I think it's just going to be really nice and really refreshing and probably one of the most like long lasting windows of really really just nice settled optimistic happy feeling that we've had in a couple of years at least yeah um, so I think it's going to be a really nice summer really nice summer to travel see people to hang out to garden like it's all gonna feel really nice yeah and like i'm gonna look at the actual um chart really quick because i think something really nice happens at the end of taurus um so it looks like jupiter and venus make their conjunction in the late degrees of taurus right before jupiter moves into gemini so um, I just want to confirm that that is what it is before I say it. Um, yes. Okay. So Jupiter and Venus conjoin at 29 degrees of Taurus. And this is really nice because um, so that's like the last degree of Taurus after Jupiter has been there for a year. So he just made his conjunction to Uranus expansion blessings innovation in your life we're kind of sinking into that for all of Taurus season and then may 23rd after the sun has already moved into gemini the two benefics make this really beautiful lovely conjunction that is like i 
big blessing to the Taurus part of your life. And just if, if you're getting married this year, mm -hmm. this summer, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like May, it's just like, I'm sure there's going to be a million weddings. And, and Taurus is like luxury and like appreciating, you know, the earth and, and everything that comes from it and beauty and sensuality and, you know, like um, delights pleasures so it just it like late may just like oh man like everything that you want to just enjoy and delight in this is the time to do it mercury will have um stationed will be direct again and um like i i think it'll be a really lovely time and also mars <laughs> mars is going to be conjoined to rahu at this time which isn't necessarily a good thing because mars and rahu can create again it's another aspect that can create like sort of conflicts or, or violent um sort of unsettling um like un unsettling outbursts um i don't think it will be able to like dominate um the season because i think jupiter and in, in, in taurus um like the jupiter uranus conjunction and then jupiter and venus that 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 would be hard to like overwhelm. So, but what it might do is Rahu and Mars may make like overindulgence vibes like super uh, high. Yeah. So we might be like super enjoying all of our greatest pleasures. And then Mars is like more, 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 and you know, <laughs> like creating this insatiable appetite. Um, but yeah, I think that late April and May look really lovely. Um, and I, I really like. I love this late degree of Venus and Jupiter conjoining because Venus rules Taurus. So as a ruler of Taurus, she's super strong there. And so that's going to make the Venus Jupiter conjunction, like even more luscious kind of. And then they're going to both start to move into Gemini together. Like then Venus will go into Gemini right after probably on the 24th. I'm going to look. Yeah. The 24th, she'll move into Gemini and then Jupiter will move in a couple days later on the 20 or one day later on the 25th. Um, so both the benefics kind of like they meet in Taurus and then they move into Gemini together. So we get this sort of like prolonged period of the benefics hanging out. And then I think because the sun is in Gemini, it won't be as like, much of external blessings um it'll be more like this sort of mental excitement of like oh all we feel like suddenly like all of this we feel suddenly as if there is more po more possibilities open to us and it might be more on the mental social realm that we're exploring these things but i still think it'll it'll have this like levity and excitement i feel um and then I think, I think June, yeah, June looks like a nice social month. Um, and then I really like cancer season this year. Um, this is going to be the first cancer season that we've had unopposed by Pluto since 20, 2008. Oh, yeah. Wow. So it's like, so cancer which is like one of the most nourishing signs, the sign of this, the moon, the place where we're supposed to take care of ourselves and like mother each other. Um, 
that sign has been opposed by Pluto, this like boring, intense, energy, not, not boring, um, sort of like dr this drilling intensity, um, this paranoia, the fear, all of that has been secondarily applying itself to cancer for how how long 2008 so that's like 20 16 years almost yeah it's really interesting because it almost i'm trying to remember because it's like summer right it's like summer vibes yeah but i kind of think that part of me just let go of the summer vibes because i thought it was just adulthood <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly you're just working all the time yeah and so you lose it i'm like oh summer's coming back yeah that's cool the return of summer so i think we'll i think we'll get an opportunity to be like oh, this is what cancer is like. We forgot yeah. about this, you know? We'll have to, we'll, it'll tap into some like deeply human part of ourselves that has like a memory of the yeah. sign. Um, and we'll be like, whoa. So I think I think cancer season will be really nice. Um, the sun moves into cancer on, I think the 20th, uh, the 21st, um, the 21st. And then, um, Venus and Mercury will already be in Cancer. So we'll have the Sun, Venus, and Mercury in Cancer for about two weeks. Um, so late June, uh, very early July. Um, Mars will be in Taurus. So, you know, probably we won't have that same feeling of like martial action or propulsive during this um window of time because which i think will be nice because we will have had enough of like pushing um so yeah I, th I think it'll be nice i think the um the new moon in cancer will be something to like really look forward to because it'll be the first time the moon has had the ability to renew herself in her own sign. We're gonna make campfires. Uh, yeah, and you know? and <laughs> yeah. Eat watermelon and drink out of the hose, and it's gonna be, be really it's gonna be fun. Nice. Yeah. So traveling is gonna be nice. Being yeah, just everything will be nice. Whatever you want to do, spend however you want to spend your summer, working, traveling, being at home. Yeah. Camping. Let's... It'll all be nice. Looks like the new moon in Cancer is July fifth, and it's. Yeah, Venus will still be in the sign. Yeah, I think the first week of July is gonna be really nice. <laughs> um, so I really, I'm really looking forward to this period. Um, and then the next window. So this is, so this is like the nice chapter, one of the nicer chapters of the year, April twentieth to early July. Like anything social or like luxurious, the vacations, the weddings, the you know the nice stuff like try to fit it into this window um because late summer or i guess not really late summer but if 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 we're um moving into the next chapter i'm going to put that chapter marker at about july 12th um because that second part of the summer doesn't feel as um uh, positive uh, it feels like sort of the return to that double-edged energy we were talking about before of like opportunity but also disruptions um like we'll get maybe you'll get really busy again yeah or you might have put off doing a bunch of stuff because you're enjoying yourself and then it really has to be done 
Right. And then we have this really potentially spiky um, conjunction of Mars to Uranus. So if Ju we had the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction at the end of April, that's like inherently positive, right? Because um, Jupiter is a benefic and he's using the Uranian energy of disruption, innovation, change, um, eccentricity to spread positive things in our life. When Mars conjoins Uranus, he's using that innovative, disruptive, um, kinetic sort of um, energy, disruptive energy of Uranus to do martial things. So we can use this to propel our own projects forward, but it will most absolutely be used in the collective for violence, unfortunately. So this is a really prickly day, um, a really very, very um, inauspicious day um, and probably the days leading up to it. So I'm thinking of like July 12th to about July 18th. As like a danger window of time um like i wouldn't plan to do anything uh even remotely uh, risky at this time don't, don't go skydiving yeah <laughs> i mean i don't like like to predict like I, I think it's very if something really horrific is going to happen to an individual you know, there's going to be a lot of factors at play astrologically. So I tend not to be like, I, I tend not to, I try not to advise people sure. toward like fear. Yeah. But this is like a really terrible conjunction. And it is not just terrible in its own right, because Mars and Uranus are so, there's so much potential for like dramatic, unexpected conflict like, and violence. Like, and, and also accidents. And accidents. Right, yeah but it's on like a mega difficult star. So this is a Mars-Uranus conjunction on Algol. And Algol is a star, it's like the most malefic, one of the most malefic fixed stars in the sky. Um, in our individual life, it can represent like int an interesting sort of array of, of themes. Um, especially for women, it can be like kind of it's a star of like feminine and female rage. So, so in a birth chart, a woman especially can draw some power out of Algol, but when it's triggered in the collective, in a broad sense, it almost always just uh, brings about violence. So it's like the star in the sky that's imagined as Medusa's, like the twinkling eye of Medusa's severed head. Um, so it tends to correspond with uh, like terrorist attacks, uh, beheadings, uh, really uh, massive outbursts of global violence. Um, it's just not, it's, it's a really malefic configuration. So um, it's definitely a time to like tread carefully. I know I'm not saying there's anything like specific that anyone needs to do to like prepare. You don't need to hunker down in your house or whatever, but I wouldn't like plan a trek through the Amazon or like skydive or. I was going to say know. don't go skiing, but you're probably not going to go skiing in July. Yeah. Anyway. Don't go mountain climbing. Don't. Yeah. It's just like, it's a time to like 
work on your projects, you know, <laughs> like uh, use the funnel, the energy into something productive and safe. Um, it's also a very rageful configuration. So people are going to be angry. Um, and it might be that something external happens that like makes people angry, but it is, um, it, it also could just be a window of time where suppressed rage yeah. surfaces. Do you see anything? I don't see it being the same. It's interesting because I feel like this year has a lot of like, uh, I know everything's great. Oh no, everything's terrible. And everything's great. <laughs> everything's terrible. Oh, that's yeah. great. Um, and so it's just one of these, another moment where you might kind of start feeling like, oh no, everything's terrible. Um, but the story isn't over yet. Um, I think one of the reasons I was feeling so incredibly optimistic about this year in general is that as opposed to the last few years, it, it looks like there's a lot of variety as to how all these different things surface for individuals as opposed to the last few years where it looked like we were all kind of like collectively moving through very, very similar stuff, um, which was preventing us from being able to show up from one another or draw support from one another or, um, you know, oftentimes like someone, you know, is going through a really hard time, but you have some more space or you are going through a hard time, but someone else has space. Yeah. And so I think it's still going to be like that even during these difficult windows this year, as opposed to the last three years where we're just like, well, we're all, None of us can do anything. None of us can help anyone. So that's not going to, we're not going to all go down equally. Yeah, like we'll hopefully time. have more space to help each other is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So and even in these windows where it looks like something kind of extreme might happen, it doesn't look like it sticks, I guess. Yeah. Like it doesn't look like anything really sticks. It just kind of looks like it's bad week. Okay. Something, you know, moving on, moving on. But yeah, I wouldn't, I agree. Maybe avoid doing anything where you could fall. <laughs> yeah high risk for uh decapitation high risk for puncture wounds <laughs> i know i shouldn't laugh but it really is high risk window so don't, don't don't fuck around in this window um yeah july 12th to july 18th is if you're like, interested in any pieces. kind of like weaponry training this is not the week to start <laughs> just stay home guys um yeah, it's woof. It's it's a it's a brutal a brutal um conjunction. So, and also Mars is uh considered to be debilitated in Taurus. So, um, in a way, that's kind of good because if it was a Mars Uranus conjunction in like Aries or something, Mars would like, have a lot of power. Oh my God! But Mars is gonna try to seize on the rage of Algol, and that's not. Yeah, you know, it's gonna that's gonna empower him in like a really distorted way. But it but it won't be able to like last or yeah, like it's gonna be like over. Mars on PCP or something, you know. Oh, oh, <laughs> Great. Like, that's what we want. Yeah, it's like yeah, not yeah, un no. un yeah, unpredictable. Because also like you all go, you know, might the rage of Algol Al might filter more effectively through like venus or through even sure. through saturn um or any planet that has like a, a yin or feminine aspect but like mars i don't know so deranged yeah somehow deranged just don't like it don't like it um so yeah 
that that week it's like it's it's so um distorting too to otherwise like really lovely cancer season that's why i'm like the first two weeks of cancer season are really nice and then there's like a market shift um so so yeah the last week of um the last two weeks of cancer are a little bit more trepidatious um but then yeah so we move past that um we move past that conjunction which occurs on july 15th and then when mars moves into um jupiter or excuse me oh i can't talk anymore this has been a long time when mars moves into urine um into oh my god i really can't talk i'm gonna take a second mars conjoins uranus on july 15th and then he shifts into gemini the next sign um with jupiter and that is part this is like the beginning of a more like a less straightforward energy because Jupiter and Mars together um, can be really positive. It can be kind of like Jupiter blessing that forward momentum. Um, so that feels like one aspect of the summer that could be positive and productive, but it's going to, um, it's going to try and Pluto. Um, so, Mars moving into Gemini gets an immediate shock from Pluto. So that feels like um, it's sort of complicating the story a little bit. Like, um, like it might bring some of that Plutonian fear um, into the story a little bit. So it's almost a little bit like, where do you want to, how do you, where do you want to go and what, do you, what are you afraid of on that path? So kind of like conquering your fear about mo moving forward along the path to your goals. Because Jupiter is there to kind of support that movement. But Pluto is also there to be like, you know, this could go wrong and this could go wrong. And, you know, uh, to be the harbinger of like disaster on a psychological level. The other complicating factor of this Jupiter-Mars um, co-presence and then eventually conjunction is that it's going to square Saturn. So um, Mars and Jupiter will conjoin at 16 degrees of Capricorn, or excuse me, 16 degrees of Gemini, and then it will square Saturn in um, Pisces at 17 degrees. So that conjunction is almost um, almost also an exact square to Saturn. So there's obstacles to the full fulfillment of what um, a Mars-Jupiter conjunction could provide. It looks like a stop and go kind of energy where we're, we're working towards something but our fears and the material reality are kind of um, creating obstacles. And um, Mercury is going to have a retrograde in August as well. Um, so, yeah, it's like late summer just feels kind of... kind of edgy, you know, like where it feels like we're, we're trying to, August is really trying to push forward, 
but we're dealing with a lot of obstacles is what it feels like. Yeah, it just feels like there's a lot of things that we have to do and we're a little bit tired and it's hard to find the motivation. Yeah. But they all have to get done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's summer. Um, it's not as, it's not this straightforward, you know, radiating benefics, benef beneficism of, um, it's not the straightforward radiating beneficence of late spring. Um, but it's not, it's not bad. It's, it's not great. It's just kind of, you know, moving forward through obstacles. Um, the Mercury retrograde is through Leo mostly, uh, starts in Virgo and sort of, uh, ends in Leo, I believe. Yeah. Um, so across the Mercury Leo sign boundary, um, I think I think Mercury retrograding as Mars and Jupiter conjoin in Gemini is another sort of deterrence to that Mar potential Mars Jupiter blessing because Mercury rules Gemini. So, you know, they're not gonna have a solid leader to look look to. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah, it might be like delays, like delays in good things or delays in plans. Yeah, it's kind of like you're almost there, but it the can gets kicked down the road quite a bit. So I wouldn't expect anything to really land in August. Like I think whatever, like if you're working for a company that has like a project due in August or there's a contract due or the deadline or something, it's probably going to get pushed down the line. Um, and then the next sort of chapter of the year starts in early September. So quick recap, we've had Saturn season. So January 1st through March 21st. Um, then we had eclipse season, that like quick window of like obstacles, slowness, sadness, stuck in the mud. Then we had the big expansive Jupiter um, spring, um, that I think is really benefic and positive, um, from late April to early July. And then we had summer. So, uh, this sort of, uh, stop and go energy of like trying to move forward through obstacles. And now, um, kind of lumping the rest of the year together, um, starting in early September um, through the end of the year, it kind of like, it feels like the momentum of everything kind of slows down. And the big reason for this is that Mars moves into Cancer and um, it kind of, as soon as he moves into Cancer, it's kind of initiating his retrograde season. And Mars is gonna retrograde, um, starting in December through Leo and Cancer. But as soon as he moves into the sign, it kind of, in my, in my past experience um, with Mars retrogrades as an astrologer, it kind of feels like the slow stuck themes of the Mars retrograde are just gonna kind of begin and start to surface as soon as Mars moves into the sign of his retrograde. Um, and I, I think that in the United States, 
a lot of it is going to be that like election season just like starts to pull on everyone's attention and everyone gets distracted all the planets whereas in the beginning of the year they're kind of moving together they've all started to spread out across the zodiac so there isn't one particular focus um and when mars moves into cancer generally things start to slow down because mars is in his ball in cancer so he's not as effective or kind of direct um and now we have the additional like problem of it being the sign of his retrograde Mm -hmm. so it just feels like starting in september a lot of the momentum just kind of grinds to a halt Mm -hmm. um and i think that you know i think it'll be like a pretty marked shift yeah it seems it just looks i mean it still looks a lot more pleasant than we've had yeah like the saturn mars stuff that's been really holding us back but it doesn't seem like we'll have quite the same sort of like boost of energy and enthusiasm so if you're prone to like it seems like if there are any like kind of health or circumstantial things that make us tired yeah they'll probably resurface during that window of time we'll probably feel oh we're tired again um but I still think there will probably be it might be nice to slow down a bit because I think that there will still be opportunities and work to be done but it'll be demanding at a much more reasonable pace yeah and people that are waiting on you won't have the same sense of urgency or you won't be imagining the same sense of urgency to get things done so I think that's actually going to be kind of a a, that'll be a little bit refreshing compared to a lot of the year of like okay we can just yeah move as at a at a more reasonable pace right yeah I think that um it's also kind of a sad Venus season because um early September as Mars moves into Cancer uh Venus will be in Libra which is normally when we would like really enjoy the benefits of Venus because Venus rules Libra but she'll be with the south node or K2 so she won't be able to fully express all of her beneficent qualities and then she goes through into Scorpio where she's um where she is uh considered to be in detriment um plus Jupiter is going to station retrograde in October so yeah I mean I kind of I kind of just see a, a, a slower fall I don't think the eclipse season which is going to be Libra season is going to feel as dramatic as the previous season I think it'll just feel sort of slow and stuck we're going to get our first eclipse on the Pisces um Virgo axis in the fall um so that is going to feel pretty significant to mutable signs people it's gonna initiate potentially something new in your life in the pisces area of your life but it might not be immediately apparent what it is because the nodes are still going to be in um in libra and aries so at this point in time i don't know that i want to go into a deep dive into eclipse season other than i just think yeah i just think it's not going to be quite as dramatic as previous to eclipse seasons it it might be like disappointing yeah disappointment might be like the biggest the biggest vibe the biggest vibe yeah 
Um, and yeah, and then the next like really significant, um, oh, okay. Well, early November during the election, um, I, I just feel like I can't even I I'm not I haven't looked into it closely enough to like really analyze it with a lot of depth and a lot of astrolog other astrologers have done a much better job so if you want to hear about like election astrology you know there's other places you can go to I just think that it's gonna feel really stuck like it just looks like undecided and like not clear and Mars is isn't quite retrograde but he's in the sign that he's going to retrograde in and uh, yeah it just we're going to get a Mars Pluto opposition it just doesn't it doesn't look it doesn't look super clear or like there's a lot of um it almost looks like nobody is very happy which is like kind of i can see a lot of different ways that that could go yeah but it doesn't but you know a lot of times it's like someone's celebrating someone's excited and this time it looks like no one nobody wins no one, is what no it looks like <laughs> it looks like nobody wins um it, and then mars um moves into leo um on november 4th and then that is like really so basically mars mars will start his retrograde phase on december 6th um but what that means is that he's slowing way 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 down in the sky and when mars slows down um everything kind of like our ability to act slows down as well um, and we start feeling more stuck and we start feeling more rageful. Mars is more visible in the sky and it feels like that kind of trapped animal energy. Um, and from November 4th until December 6th, he only moves six degrees through Leo. So it's like he's just like inching through the same pattern, like the same section of the sky and that's just going to generate a lot of like frustration, rage, anger, like lack of move, moving forward, which makes me kind of think that the election won't be decided for a long time. You know, like this has been the case, you know, this was the case with the last election as well. So we're starting to get more and more familiar with this. But yeah, it just looks like arguments, anger, um, not being able to move forward. And then December 6th. Mars stations retrograde and then he goes back over all of those degrees so it's like a revision of everything that happened and then he moves into cancer in the new year and retrogrades in cancer for two more months so it, it looks like what it kind of looks like is everything that happens in the fall gets revisited so I think the most um I think the most helpful thing you could do is look at where cancer and mars are in your chart and then think about everything that they represent those signs in your chart and then um try to like imagine spending a long time exploring 
a lot of different avenues or ways of um, taking action or correcting that part of your life because it just looks like you're probably going to spend a lot of time and energy there over approximately yeah I mean almost six months hmm. um so yeah and and Mars unfortunately isn't super happy in cancer so it's not like the most it's not the most pleasant Mars retrograde and Mars retrogrades are never pleasant <laughs> so um so yeah I mean I don't I'm not saying it's going to be catastrophic. I think it'll mostly just feel stuck and frustrating. Um, and I think it's a little, it's going to be a little bit of revisiting this year, December vibes where like the holidays don't, don't look super. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought Thanksgiving looked nice. Oh, Thanksgiving might be okay. But, oh, okay. um, but I think that there's like a revisiting of the, um, mercury retrograde oh over the um that is having as like interplay with uh mars starting in december sometime yeah so um let me see let me look at december I'm trying to figure out what i had seen that made it feel a little bit like iffy um well actually it might just move everyone everything might feel stuck and then people might be like sort of encouraged to enjoy yeah. the season i saw it being like to me it looked kind of like overwhelming and busy but also very sweet and kind of like making room for yeah. intimacy and celebration. Yeah. So it probably is not the, I wouldn't, I would say probably not the best year to like do a big family vacation for one of the holidays, but probably a nice time to do like have everybody come stay in the same house. Yeah. And it looks like, let's see, the retrograde actually is in early December. Um, so early December might be sticky and then Mercury stations direct in um, Mercury stations direct on the 17th. Um, and then actually by the time Christmas comes around, Mercury is going to be opposing Jupiter. But it's going to be a T-square between Mercury, Saturn, and Jupiter. So um, it's not, it, it, like, it kind of looks like Saturn is putting a little bit of a damper on everything. Um, but it doesn't, it's not quite as chaotic as this past Christmas. Like, it was small celebration. Yeah. Contained celebration. Contained <laughs> celebration. So yeah, so I take it back. I think actually Christmas um, has the potential to be nice, but early December um, with the Mercury retrograde on top of the Mars retrograde, um, those two qualities together, like not super clear thinking, inability to act, um, that's sort of like a recipe for unhappiness for a lot of people. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going cut. This is, this is running really long. So we're going to kind of like go a little light on the, the last months of the year. Um, but we will, yeah, we'll be talking about it. Do you mind if I say a couple more yes, things yeah, about yeah. the lawyer? Um, so I just had this thought because I was thinking one of the things that I like about this year is that it feels like there's a lot of windows of opportunity, like a lot of times to start something that will give it a solid foundation for success later. A lot of times that we can collaborate with other people or join in on things that other people are doing. And then it was, I had this thought, I was like, this is going to be a hilarious year to have a baby. <laughs> And I don't know why exactly from an astrological standpoint, and I think in a positive way, but like there's just going to be some very interesting and intense people coming out of this year. But I think in terms of um, like from the perspective of the parent, mm. it's probably going to be like a very pleasant childhood experience. Like there's going to be like a lot of there's just a very childlike quality to the year, I guess, where there's a lot of like this back and forth and back and forth and these like different moods that everyone's going to move through, which is just a lot like having a kid. So yeah. um, I think that that's actually going to be really nice. Um, I think Jupiter and Saturn both being in mutable signs, so we're going to have Saturn in Pisces and Jupiter in uh, Gemini starting from June onward. I think it's going to be kind of like a really profound test of our flexibility um, and sort of trying to like build that muscle of flexibility because um, Gemini and, and Pisces are both mutable signs um, and places where we're expected to be able to deal with change and like uh, adapt to change. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that might be part of the reason that having a baby this year might be so perfect because yeah. that'll be the manifestation of it is learning how to yeah be flexible and change. So yeah, learning flexibility, um, learning and practicing comfort with uncertainty and strength and uncertainty and sort of um, uh, trying to work with others without exercising control over others i think those are the really important qualities that we're going to be asked to develop this year that will serve us a lot in the years to come i would imagine i think um because there are so many opportunities to start something new this year and because there's going to be so much dissolution of reliable information and there's going to be so much potential like violent conflict um it's going to be a really good year to like if you it's like no one can save the world right like we can't save the world and that doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of good that we can do in the world. And a lot of us have been wanting to be more involved in something like that. But the degree to which that you can do that from home or from your computer or through, you know, conversation is very, very limited. So if this ends up being something that you feel very, very passionate about and you want to go out into the world and help people. This is a really good year to start moving into that, um, like,
it, as like getting an education that's going to allow you to do that in really specific ways, going to the places that you're going to be able to actively do that in really specific ways. Um, yeah, you know, there's a million ways it can look to. You don't have to like make it your whole life in order to help people and do good in the world. But I think that could be a very, very satisfying and important piece. Like I think you brought up a few times, like compassion and being in relationship with people and yeah. deciding like, how do you really want to do that in your life and in the world and your community? And what are the resources or actions that you need to take in order to do that in a much more direct way? Yeah, I, th I think this year is going to really challenge, like, the structures of, like, the, challenge the limits of what we can do online. And um, <laughs> I think that, you know, even though technology is going to like potentially explode with, with Pluto and Aquarius, um, I think, like, the social media landscape as we have known it um for the, for the last I don't know 10 years or something which was um which has a lot of like social media activism has um centered around Pluto and Capricorn dynamics of like questioning authority structures breaking down the systems like developing a dialogue and a discourse around dismantling systems questioning systems um, which is all on a certain level good. Um, but I think that uh, yeah, the limits of what we can do <laughs> online are going to become really stark this year because of the lack of reliable information. Because mm -hmm. we can't, we won't be able to just be like information broadcasters in well, the reliable way or like it's like we won't be taken like our our voice won't be taken as seriously through the format and yeah we'll be able to take other people's voices as seriously through the format so yeah so it's gonna be i think a lot about um like what are real like what are the like skill sets like what's the skill set you can bring into the world like, what do you want to learn? What do you want, as Tess wants to say, what do you want to prepare for? How do you want to be prepared to be helpful in the real world with your skills? Mm -hmm. um, what do you want to learn? What do you want to develop within yourself? And, and some of that could just be, you know, recognizing the patterns that we all have that prevent us from being fully present or that take up a lot of energy with our own processing that's making it hard for us to be with other people or um, letting go of like big ideas we have about how we'd like to help and just, you know, moving into like these smaller windows that are much more realistic for us, um, things like that. Yeah, and, and also developing like real positive social connections and communities in the real world with real people because we're gonna have to rely on people we trust like and build trust again and like trust I feel like trust is going to become really important as the reliability of information starts to fade away because mm -hmm. what can you trust like you can trust someone that you know who's shown up for you over and over again or who has shown who has a proven sort of track record in the community that you want to help right mm -hmm. like you, you want to be active in a community cause 
whether that's international or local, who you're going to have to go to. The people who are there, (laughs) who know it, who have the resources, who have been in the trenches, like those are the people with the real information that's going to be useful and who you're going to have to rely on and trust in. So I think like learning how to cultivate trust and like what it is. I mean, I feel like we don't trust anybody, which is fair, but like, well, (laughs) well, I don't, I think they have a big, there's a lot of big misunderstandings about the idea of trust because a lot of us think that it's somebody who does what we want them to do very consistently. Yeah. And nobody is like that. Nobody. So it's, you know, trustworthiness isn't perfection. Um, It's not someone that we always agree with. It's not someone that um, has the capacity to do as well as they have in the past at any given moment. Um, So we just have to also incorporate a lot of forgiveness and a lot of trust in our ability, our own self and our ability to deal with, you know, conflict and um, unmet expectations and disappointment. And being able to deal with conflict, that's another, like, I think a big test of mutability, right? Like, how do you, like, how do you resolve conflicts with people who disagree with you? How do you resolve the pain of realizing that something that you deeply believed in and trusted wasn't, Mm -hmm. wasn't accurate? Like, that is, that's sort of like, first training wheels of like resolving conflict right because you're gonna have to resolve that conflict with yourself and we're all gonna have to face this a bunch Mm -hmm. of times if we want to be like uh serious trustworthy people in the world we have to be able to say oh wow that opinion i espoused was based on false information and i have to correct it and we have to do that process trusting that you know we're not going to be like punished forever and isolated from our communities and that we can come back from it with integrity within ourselves and then we have to extend that generosity to other people and I think the other thing I was thinking about before recording this podcast is like this these concepts of like dharma or like ikigai like like the Japanese concept like these ideas of like believing and and um, believing that your own path and through the world is valuable yeah like i know that dharma has like a whole bunch of different um different manifestations and ideas but like believing that it is good enough to do what it is that is valuable to you and worth like that that is worth doing in the world and that and that it's valuable in the absence of external validation yeah um that's really important because we're a very Big on external validation culture. Hi, we'll, we'll be done in just a second, honey. And that's a wrap, folks, because the kids are back. And uh, we've been talking for a long time. This is by far the longest year ahead forecast we've ever done. And we'll be back next week to get into more details. Okay. We love you. Happy uh, 2024. Thanks for listening. Bye. Or watching this time. Thanks for listening and watching.